everyone, welcome to another episode of Microsoft Star Wars. I'm your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to people. Hey, everybody. Whoa! Spencer, we are in the penultimate episode of Obi-Wan. Maybe the whole series, maybe series one. I don't know. They're talking about doing another one. Totally season two. Totally season two. (laughs) Yeah, there may be, but right now we're in the penultimate episode of this batch of episodes, episode five. We got it. Kind of a divisive episode from what I can tell. I really liked it, as you might be able to predict. Spencer, what did you think of episode five? I agree it's been very divisive. It's been fascinating to see online some people that are just saying this is the best thing since the prequels in terms of just how much they're loving this. And other people saying that this is the death knell of the show to them, that they messed up this episode. Hmm. I'm, as usual, kind of dipping into both camps of where... This had individual scenes that were glorious, that were cheerworthy, that were just absolutely great. There was an extended scene they kept cutting back to that looked like it was a, a deleted scene from the prequels, and I was yeah. just there, there for it. Pretty dope, wasn't it? There was Darth Vader, again, looking some of the most badass he's ever been in any Star Wars media, and that's just oh, great. There's some fun scenes between characters. They're all well done. And then there was a lot in between them of where if they do not hire a combat choreographer or a combat set piece guy for this show in its second season, they are utter morons for how bad so much of the combat on this show sadly is. Hmm. Uh, it there, there were some rough things in there were rough moments in between moments of brilliance of where it, it makes it almost like a weird show of where the show is, loves to do prolonged homages to other Star Wars media of where this one was a straight up extended metaphor to Last Jedi and aspects of the of the uh, attack on the Rebel base in Battle of Hoth, uh, with even mixing up where somebody on the show loves video games, The Force Unleashed, which is a great video game series if you've never played it. Uh, the problem is it often just comes across like, like a less good cover band in terms of the references they're making back to that stuff, uh, which is disappointing, because if you're going to do these extended homages, you either need to be as good or at least do your own thing with the references, but I feel like that they're giving me the nostalgia to them, but not doing them the justice that they probably should. So, I have a question for I, you. I, mm-hmm. Have you have you ever gone to see many cover bands? I have, actually, yeah. Okay, because I don't know. Like, it it feels to me like you might not know quite how mean that was. Like, I, you I just threw that in like really casually. I was casually. meaning to be pretty mean. That's pretty fucking mean. I mean, I, you know, my thing with this is like people are like saying they don't like the, the combat. I thought the combat was fine. I also want to ask folks like what Star Wars combat they really like, because it, it don't tell me it's the first three movies because the com. I mean, like Obi Wan fighting Darth Vader in Episode <laughs> Four is fucking like a joke. Like they were terrible at it in the seventies and eighties. They overdid it in one, two, three, or at least that's all I've been hearing for the last fifteen years. Like, what combat do people like have that romantic view of Star? Like, well, I, the Star I, Wars I, did so well. I'm gonna pick, I'm, I'm gonna actually describe the combat of how well they did one scene, even though the choreography wasn't that great, versus how poorly they did an earlier scene in terms of. And I can use that as a comparison of what combat I enjoyed versus what combat I didn't, and why certain combat scenes work even when they're clunky because everything around them is working well. And I think that's something yeah. that your films did is that they were your combat can be not particularly impressive if the quality of your filmmaking and the quality of your plotting to set up around the combat makes your audience at the edge of the seat just because your story is compelled to that point or your filmmaking is compelled to that point. Even if the moves aren't all that great or, or all, all that kind of clunky. As you said with the prequels, they got all the moves great, but it was to the detriment of everything else. And so it just kind of looks overly like stylized, just 
acrobats on stage choreography rather than anything we're really invested in because you've almost removed the realism or t connection for the audience to it. Um, I mean, but, I think like one of the like if you start watching Star Wars like now, like mm -hmm. and you follow, like if you just get are introduced right now, yeah, I would think one of the most disappointing scenes in the entire fucking thing is Obi Wan and Darth Vader on the Death Star in Episode Four. I mean, that looks like ding 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 boom. Like it is so. Chore I mean, it's awful. It's, it's awful it's to rewatch. And so like, I just I. I, I wish, like, there's a guy online who redid that scene with some deep fakes. He did. That was well done. And I really wish they could, like, plug that in. I know it'd be, like, heresy to everybody, but, like, I wish they could because, like, it just, everything we've seen now in episode one, two, three, and now Obi-Wan, that scene looks so preposterous to me. So yeah. I just have a hard time really crushing this series for their action. I don't yeah. know. I kind of liked a lot of the action. And it, it did have, which I, I will get into, like, some of the specifics, but I do want to go ahead and point out, I'm not going to bury the lead on this. It had one of the coolest fight scenes I've ever fucking seen in Star Wars, which is Reva trying to fight Darth Vader and Darth Vader fighting good. her with the Force was absolutely awesome. That, that, awesome. That, that was very well done. Some of the choreography is a little bit slow, whatever else, but I didn't care just because of how well they did the menace of the character, how well they did the emotions that were going into that yeah, fight and the situations around it. That is... That's again, I'm like, sure, some of the moves are a little slow. Some of the swings look a little sloppy. But I don't care because I'm so invested in what's happening because of how much it's been, how well it's been set up for that particular moment. And how, again, how well they personified Darth Vader as being utterly superhuman in terms of what the experience of him is. It's great. Yeah. That, that was expertly done regardless of some aspects of the clunkiness because of everything else around it. So, yeah, perfect example. Yeah, I didn't think it was clunky. I mean, I don't know what you're, I don't even know what, maybe I'm just, like slow but I, I didn't i didn't see anything in that that looked awkward or weird but i will say um we me and you need to i mean i think it's time for the victory lap is it time for that we just run and do it and just we call our hands up almost and cheer? everything i mean I, I literally have my wrestlemania shirt on right now we called that reva was a wrestling character that a face term was coming we got it and what we also got which is absolutely something we get in wrestling all the time is the is the situational face turn flip back to heel. Like I, in this moment, I will help you beat up Mr. McMahon because he's mm -hmm. that bad. But when I get back to that locker room stone cold, I still hate you. Like that yeah. type of face turn is so awesome. And that's exactly what we got. So um, loved that. And I also just really enjoy on a personal level that, and I don't know what the internet's saying. I don't, I don't look at it that much before we do these podcasts and to be honest i don't look at it that much afterwards because what i found is that it disrupts my joy of star wars and i don't like sure. that i like to just have fun with it um it's funny to me that people thought reva was like one of the worst characters in star wars ever and like slowly it's becoming apparent that this is like a very fascinating character that like i am super in on now i hope they do a book about her i, I everybody thought is like man they're really fucking this character up and now we're on episode five and i'm like I can't believe I care so much about a character that is solely introduced and talked about at this point in Star Wars media, just encompassed within these six episodes. Well, I mean, it's in some ways hearkening back to um, <laughs> Clone Wars, of where a certain character that we all know and love was almost purposely written as being the annoying younger sister for like the first season or two, uh, in terms of what your experience of her was. And if you remember back, a lot of people. Soka, you mean? Yeah, a lot of people did not like her at the beginning of the series because she yeah. was kind of an annoying, know-it-all, thought she was better than everybody else kind of character. But it was because they were giving her an arc, which, 
you know, you stood with them. They haven't had enough time necessarily to give this character an arc, but we've gotten a, enough of a bit of an unlock about her that she's honestly got the most going on of kind of any of the characters in the show. Um, that may I, be I find her fa- fascinated now. I, th- did you hear the rumors that they're going to give her her own show now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so I, that, I think that's a... That's a pretty good intro, I think. Let's let's jump to some housekeeping. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy any podcast in which you hear me, Spencer, any of the other Mangum Talks guys <laughs> sitting around chatting, go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks or go to mangumtalks.com. We got a lot of great content right now, as a matter of fact, on a uh, podcast called Mangum Talks, just Mangum Talks, a general interest podcast. We are, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Spencer has me reviewing episode by episode an entire season of Attack on Titan. And Spencer, I waited until we were recording to tell you this. Okay. I have to, I have something to tell you. I am enjoying Attack on Titan so much that I bought the first in the ver- first in the series of the manga. You bought the ma- uh, sir, I bought the sir, manga. What has happened to you? <laughs> when you did you become it? a weeb? What what occurred? I I know you I I I'm telling you Attack on Titan I, I feel like it sounds disingenuous on the podcast. Somehow, if I say it on this podcast, it sounds like more real. I absolutely have enjoyed the first season of Attack on Titan so far. So we are reviewing that episode by episode on the podcast called Mangum Talks. And I will, in the next recording, talk about how I feel about the manga. never read manga before, but I bought one. I'm excited to find out, sir. I'm sure it's a very different experience of doing the Japanese equivalent of comic books. Absolutely. So let's get to our episode. So what we do is we start with the recap. I, heroically, every week will lead the recap. I have got notes on notes on notes for this episode. Then we'll go to best line of the episode. I have got some nominees for best line of the episode. We'll do nostalgic moment of the episode. Spencer always comes through hard and heavy with that. Uh, Talking about a lot of different nostalgic moments that we can pull out from the episode and appreciate as Star Wars fans, lifelong Star Wars fans. Then we will jump to, we try to figure out if the episode is in line with the qualities of the prequels, it's a very fun segment because Spencer kind of doesn't like the prequels. I kind of fucking love the prequels. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting grading curve that we have there. And then we will wrap up with end of episode thoughts. And I think what we should do this episode is talk a little predictions because episode six, the internet is telling me, Spencer, that episode six is an hour and a half long. That's what the internet's telling me. Which on which on Disney Plus means it's actually an hour, given the just scale of the intros and exits we're now getting on these episodes. But still, that'd be far and away the longest episode we've gotten yet of Obi Wan, and I believe also the longest, longer than anything on Boba Fett too. They're saying runtime, which runtime should mean the show. So we'll I don't know. See. I don't know. That's that seems. Movie. Yeah, that seems like so supersized. It almost seems hard to believe. But in any case, we're going to get some sort of supersized episode for episode six. So we got a lot to talk about there. And we'll do predictions at the end of the episode. Spencer, you ready to talk recap? Damn straight, sir. Woo! We start with the recap leading us into episode five. Mm -hmm. Talk about the past. They talk about Leia's abduction. They really focus on Tala. When I saw that, I thought, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, Spencer. Dead. Death flag. Tala's not dead. (laughs) Don't feel good for Tala. There, there was a con- Tala gets a conversation this episode, which is pretty well done in terms of going her background. But all the way through it, I'm like, okay, they're setting her up to die now. That's all. That that, that is her role. They're making us. They're giving us a backstory so that she's more sympathetic yep. for the sake of her death. Hundred percent. Yep, that's exactly it. Then we get the title credits, and we start with a flashback. Obi Wan and train. Obi Wan and Anakin training on Coruscant. <laughs> Spencer. Spencer is jumping up and down joyfully. What did you like about this scene? 
I mean, I, I've been actually looking forward for the flashbacks the entire series. I've been telling you that. I've been wanting more flashbacks when this film. You've got Hayden Christensen back. He hasn't actually aged that much. Kudos to him for not aging in He is a good-looking man, isn't he? Uh, it's like, why haven't they been doing more of this? It's Obi-Wan and Anakin. It's what the entire show is about. It's that they've been going to completely different directions that I've had mixed feelings about. So yeah, flashbacks I was here for. I'd be like, I'm not even that nostalgic about the prequels, but I was just drooling on myself watching these little flashback moments of just the two of them having a duel with the same lighting and the same setting and same filmmaking of where I could have sworn it was a cut scene from, like, you know, Revenge of the Sith or Attack of the Clones. They just brought it back in here. It was great. I think they did that on purpose, right? It was all digital uh, because yeah. they wanted the same look of the prequels. Uh, you're right that uh, Hayden Christensen hasn't aged that much. He has aged some, though, so they did de-age him a little bit. Oh, um, they shot the middle here, right? Because the last episode, I talked about my concern with the flashbacks being that they would try to retell the story that George Lucas told. Because as much as you might not like the prequels, that is a story told by the creator of Star Wars. Like, he he told creator. the prequels. He told the prequels. And... Like that to me would be something that you as Dave Filoni, as John Favreau, they are, they aren't doing the show, but whoever in Lucasfilm, right. Would probably, you don't want to go back and try to retell or tell differently or change. And so they shot the middle. They gave us a, they gave us a flashback. It was absolutely important about the, through the through the narrative lens of this episode, but they certainly didn't change anything about how that story was told. So I thought that was really well done. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so we get the line, I was beginning to think you weren't coming, Anakin, to Obi-Wan. Good. Maybe I stand more of a chance this time. Are you ready? Are you? Then let's begin. And thus begins the episode. I thought that was kind of apropos. Mm -hmm. Um, then we get, uh, they cross swords. Now, (laughs) was that the only one, like, (laughs) they train with live lightsabers? Is that that what we do? Holy shit. (laughs) I, that's a lot of that's a lot of trust in your sparring partner if you're just using live using an activated lifesaver as part of your training session. It's like okay, I would have thought there'd be alternatives, but sure, yeah, these guys are good. Yeah, it must be. As they cross swords, we flash forward to Vader, current day, breathing. He looks to be on the deck of an Imperial Star Destroyer. That seemed like because you know as much as they were trying to catch the the flavor and the the visuals of the prequel in the earlier scene that what we started the episode with, I felt like they were trying to capture episode four, five, six with this scene because they it did. really yeah. does look like one of those really small sets. It's just the deck of an Imperial Star Destroyer. And it's, you know, looking out the window, you're kind of up and all of the, I loved how they did that in four, five, and six. Like if an Imperial officer had to come to Vader, he had to walk kind of up to see yes. him up to the deck, which was pretty cool visual. Yeah, I, th- I think they did that perfectly in terms of that feel of those bridge scenes we got to see in 456. Even, like, the casting of the Imperial Officer. that They they purposely been doing a much more diverse cast of uh, people representing the Empire in the, la- the last few television Not that guy. That guy looks straight out of the movies in terms of when he walks up. It was like a nice little throwback where, oh, that dude's an Imperial Officer. They got him right out of the Academy. He is a... Uh, I think I played golf with that guy last week. He is a middle-aged <laughs> white guy. That is who they grabbed. Um, he, he, he tells... Vader, that third sister, is there. Third sister, we all know, is Reva. Reva walks in. Reva reports that the tracker is installed and has tracked them to Jabim. Vader tells her she's done well. Ask her to kneel. I honestly didn't see this coming. I thought the kneeling was just like, I'm the shit. Like, you need to kneel in front of me. Instead, what he's doing is he's appointing her. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Grand Inquisitor. 
Yeah. Good job, Riva. I'm sure you'll yeah. keep that position for a long time to come. You, yeah. <laughs> she'll go ahead and check out the retirement plan because you are going to retire, Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, isn't it nice when your bosses respect your achievements and kind of give you that recognition and give you those honors that will just persist for years? It's just so rare to see that in a modern corporate world. He doesn't even say, like, congratulations, good. He just says, rise, Grand Inquisitor. That's it. And, and the Imperial officer has the pip ready just to put right under collar. Just, just not just even stand yet. He just staples it on her. It's like, get going. You're ready. Yeah. Cut to our heroes arriving in Jabim. Clearly, there's an underground base here uh, because they just they, they literally just go right underground um, from a retractable, what is, from the base's perspective, the ceiling mm-hmm. uh, or the roof of this thing from everybody else's perspective on the planet, just the floor of, like, just the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this particular situation, Spencer, I don't know if you know this scientific fact, the ceiling is the roof here. So just so you know. Um, they get off gotcha. and announce to the crowd that they uh, they got Leia. So everybody's woo got Leia. Yay. Um, Who is this? Yeah, Obi Wan then sees Haja. My guy, Haja is back. Come on, Namaji. That's awesome. Um, he explains that he had nowhere else to go. He fought Riva, and now he's wanted by the Empire. I know Obi Wan's got a lot on his mind right now. A lot going on. Mm-hmm. You would expect he would have a follow up and go, "Wait, you fought Riva." <laughs> It seems like he owes this guy enough that he avoids just calling out the obvious bullshit. It's like, we both know that's a lie, but it is honestly good to see you. You did us a solid back there. And he did. And that's the thing we learned about Haja. You were right on this character from Jump Street, which is, yes, he likes to you know make a little money on the side, pretend to be a Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he was helping Ben. And mm-hmm. like, like genuinely helping them. Like everything he told them was 100% true. He did what he could to get them out of there. So he, I think we're going to put Haja on the good side, even though he is a, a fake Jedi. I mean, it seems like he actually is a member of the path. It seems like he was actually sending people through this network. He was. We, kind of, we, we kind of assumed that he was straight up defrauding moms about their kids being force sensitive. Doesn't really seem like that that's the case. He was accepting payment. He was a bit of a low life in that regard. But he was an honest member of this organization, it appears. Obi-Wan goes up to Roken, says he needs transport to Alderaan. This is, of course, to get Leia home. Roken says, we will do that once we get all these people out of here. Because going and getting Miss Leia uh, has put all these people at risk. And they've been here for months. And they're trying to get out. And that needs to be our priority right now. Obi-Wan kind of waffles a little bit. He looks around, he sees the people, and he finally comes to the conclusion, I think. I think we see the inner turmoil there. Ewan McGregor does a good job with it. Like, you know what? I think he's right. We need to try to get these people out. So he says, look, I'll do what we'll do whatever we can to help. I like he says will right there. Mm-hmm. He's committing Leia to the cause. Not just me. This little ten year old right here. And you might not you might not realize it right now, but she can be very useful, so just wait. Yeah, she fits in a crawl space like nobody's business. It's that's gonna come up later because we apparently we put our circuit breakers in the roof where only midgets can access. Sorry. And all the confidence in the world. That helps a lot in these situations. <laughs> uh, Cut to Vader on the deck of the Star Destroyer in hyperspeed, such a cool shot. Hyperspeed. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one that was a little scared by hyperspeed? Maybe it was the fact that Vader was there. I don't know. But, like, I watched it. And I was like, that is pretty fucking scary that you are going through, like, because I kind of I had the thought of, like, wow, for the first time, what would it really be like to be in one of these ships and you go, Woof, and, you you know, that standard thing we've seen in Star Wars so many times, jump to hyperspeed, and you see the lights just completely melding around you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're pulled back in your seat. It seems like it would be maybe a little bit more scary than I'd originally uh, thought. That's that's just something it, that crossed my the, mind. The visual effect of hyperspace is just so ingrained in my consciousness now that if we ever, you know, if the technology develops to the point that we actually can do like civilian faster than light travel, they better just artificially create those just so I know we're going that fast. I don't care if it's instantaneous wormhole. Give me those lines so I know that we're actually doing it. Spencer, if if we if we end up making like a lot of money in our lives, maybe we sell Mangum Talks for a lot of money at some point. Um, I will have a room in my house that's nothing but screens where I will be able to do that if you'd like. I mean, it, you know, please. We could do. probably yeah. make that happen. You you listen to AS, ASMR to go to sleep at night. I need those lines. Those lines help me sleep. For sure. Yeah, it's calming to you. It scared the shit out of me a little bit when I saw it on the screen. I was like, wow, that's a that's a really intense like version of hyperspace oh yeah um what one one thing to note here is that we talked about last episode about what how much this would be last jedi in terms of our heroes kind of screw everybody over in the process of their mission it's interesting how they tried to have the difference in this episode of where our heroes did screw everyone over they really honestly should have just gone straight back to alderaan rather than coming here uh and they've now led the empire here but their way of making it not appear as bad as it did in last jedi is oh but everybody was already leaving anyway is that they were in the process of evacuating before this mission, before the mission that was going to be lead the Empire back to them even started. So it's a way of, in effect, diminishing the guilt because they weren't, this wasn't a permanent base that they're now screwing over. This was already going to be an exit point in just a matter of hours anyway. I'm sure there was some of that to the writing. I would also point out, though, that the character of Roken kind of throws cold water on the our heroes are at fault here for this because like roken said if i if we help you i already anticipate that they're gonna find us here like before the track before anything he already just said this is gonna that that's probably gonna happen and and he already was because him and tala already had the conversation well how are we going to clean up shop and get everybody out of here if we start to help these folks so they were already thinking way down the line early on I actually mean this as a compliment, just because it avoids such what, in my mind, was a big problem that was never called out in Last Jedi, of where the heroes that are running this base are smart enough to know what the inevitable repercussions of their actions are. And they've, pre- they've pre-built it into their planning. I think that, that, we talked about how much we need the sentence to explain what you do next. This is the sentence, and I appreciate it. Reva says they're almost there. Vader tells her to lock down the facility. She says, well, if we do that, they can just sort of hide out there. They can just hang out for days. Siege. I don't know how we're going to break them that way. Vader says, it's not them we need to break. Cut to Leia and Lola. Comes flying around. Uh, cut to Obi-Wan. He walks up to the walls and looks at some of the um, the drawings on Carbers. the walls. Right? Graffiti, yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks like a... You remember those little like uh, 1980s pizza parlors? Remember how everybody would just write on the table? Like, yes, like they, Spencer car- loves car- Christian, big heart around it or whatever, like that sort of thing. That is written like, on a couple tables, yes. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Under the table, probably, so nobody can see it. Um, yeah. Kind of looks like one of those tables, right? Like, uh, so-and-so was here type thing. Um, he looks at all the lightsabers and all the cloaks and is clearly affected. So wh- what did you take from uh, these lightsabers? Are these just the Jedi that have passed through or, or what do you, like who have... Because I, what I assumed is that these are Jedi who came, and they had to drop the fact that they were they had to drop their life, and so they uh, left the cloak and their lightsaber as they went on the path to their new life. Yeah, I, I think it was either a mix of that, or these were in effect the 
last votives of Jedi that have actually died, of Jedi that maybe even died in the process of defending people that have gone into this process, or leftovers of family members that have died in the process of the, of, of the, of the Jedi Purge. I, 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 they, they purposely in some ways kept it ambiguous. I think even to Obi-Wan of just, why are these, you know, Obi-Wan having previously told Anakin, this sword is your life, which I always hated that line, but it is a line that he said, how on earth have the Jedi left these behind? Are they dead? Have they had to abandon everything that they were as part of this? It's not clear, but Obi-Wan is clearly very emotionally affected by seeing these cast-off remnants of his of the Order at his feet. Tala wonders if Third Sister tracked him there. Um, she wonders that because their retractable roof closes against their will. Mm-hmm. So they figured out, oh shit. Because the little um, battery, the little battery's not included droid has now gone complete traitor as a result of what turns out to be the most adorable little restraining bolt that's attached to it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, during this process, um, Tala says, well, it looked like Third Sister tracked us here. Obi-Wan says, no, it's Vader. Gotta be weird for Obi-Wan to be calling him Vader. Isn't this the first time we've heard him just over and over again use Vader as opposed to Anakin? Do we even know? Here's a question. I'm not clear whether this has been established or not. Did Obi-Wan even know that Darth Vader was a thing? I'm presuming he... I was presuming maybe he did because Darth Vader's a public enough figure that maybe he got news reports. But it's not really clear. He certainly didn't know Anakin was a thing. But did he even know that Vader was a thing before, like, you know? Oh, no, he ago? did. Because remember how remember how Reva told him? Reva didn't say, there's this guy, Vader, you did, don't know. Like, yeah. Reva said, Vader, he is Anakin. So my guess is, he probably, like, I, I'm guessing that, be, I mean, he is, he's the Emperor's number two. And yeah. he's going he's around the very fucking galaxy, figure. He's Lord waxing Vader. everybody's ass. And he is, at, he's even more scary to most people than the Emperor, which he shouldn't be, but he is. And... I, I would imagine that there's just been just chatter at most Eisley about Va- about the Emperor's right hand well, man, this guy Vader. I, I have to also believe that like the Empire's recruitment posters are just Vader pointing at pointing out of a poster saying the Empire wants you, because why wouldn't they do that? That would get people mm-hmm. in, in droves. Which would explain why they have so many stormtroopers. Yeah. Just need to train them better. Um Obi-Wan says that the Empire's gonna attack them, not gonna wait for a siege. And she says, how do you know? Cut back to a flashback of Obi-Wan and Anakin training. Obi-Wan explains that Anakin is too aggressive. I love the quote. It's the goal of the, of the Jedi to defend life, not take it. Anakin, mercy doesn't defeat an enemy master. So, I mean, like, it's just the more that we, I mean, we, we saw it in episode one and two, mm-hmm. parts of three, a lot in Clone Wars, a lot in the books. We're seeing it here. It's just always fucking baffled me how Obi-Wan didn't go, wait a second. Like, you think like a fucking Sith. Like, you, are you kidding me? Like, you, you like, when, I, I'm not even training you to fight this way, and you have started to fight like a Sith. He, he was blinded by his love for the guy. I mean, he, he viewed him as a son. He viewed him as a friend. He viewed him as the closest person in his life. And he was willing to overlook everything as a result of that. It's a sadly human reaction. While he still had his Padawan braid, he said, mercy doesn't defeat an enemy master. Like, I know, I recognize that I idolize Yoda. So let's just not, let, I'm not even going to use Yoda because people who know me are going to be like, ah, you just made that up. Fucking Mace Windu, if he'd have heard that, would have been like, "You're out." Like you yeah. are. He, Mace Windu, by the way, wanted to get wanted to do that to Anakin the entire time. He, if anybody called it, Mace Windu called it. But he would have been like, "Mercy doesn't kill an enemy." Out. 
it's it's one of the things that were Mace Windu and Yoda were calling this from the get go. Yoda remember yeah. was like the one member of the council that said, nope. "I have voted against this. This yes. is a shit idea." It's like they were on the same page for it. This kid has problems. We see that from Jump Street. Obi Wan was just out of loyalty to Qui Gon and about the love he had for this kid, just was willing to overlook the world. And we're seeing another example of that. Yeah, Yoda voted against it, and Mace Windu voted against it, but the rest of the council was was cool with it. Mace Windu, though, like in the, so I talked a little bit about the book Brotherhood that was recently re- released by Mike Chen. Uh, it follows um, between episode two and three the relationship of Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin. Um, in that, we get a lot of interaction between Anakin and Mace Windu. <laughs> Mace Windu fucking hates Anakin. It is like every like because in a book you can get the thoughts, thoughts. of. Yeah, and like the thought of Anakin every time he has to deal with Mace Windu is, oh fuck, this guy. Like, this guy really doesn't like me. Like he, he knows. Samuel Jackson it. does not enjoy me. Yeah, um, I uh, want. It, go ahead. It, one thing I just want to compliment about these old flashback scenes before it, it's not subtle. It's very on the nose, but I love how much they're grounding the flashbacks in the emotional interpretation, the emotional response of the characters in the present. For we see several characters, we see both Obi Wan and vader anakin at various moments flash back to that as part of unpacking what they're experiencing in the moment it's straightforward they're straight up saying what the characters are feeling but it's still well done filmmaking well done plotting to give those just kind of past and present connections in terms of both how then and now the characters are understanding their experiences 100 percent right very well said and a very good point uh anakin talks a little shit we cut back to vader and he says launch the attack Obi-Wan sure knows his guy, uh, mm-hmm. I would like to point out. He, uh, he, he is calling his shots, even though he's Vader now, he's still able to call his shots. Um, and I would say that, like, I think that's something that Anakin slash now Darth Vader is underestimating about chasing Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Is, like, I still, like, have, like, I'm, like yes, I have, I have gone through this transformation, I am Vader, but... A lot of the impulses that I have, the natural tendencies I have, Obi-Wan's still going to be able to read that. And he, I don't I don't think he's really respecting that in this little tete-a-tete they're doing. I think their confrontation in episode three didn't help that either. Of where where Obi-Wan looks so weak. Obi-Wan looks so weak and he kicked his ass. Every, he kicked his ass the way he kicked Reva's ass in terms of that fight. Uh, and so that is just kind of coloring his perception of what this guy can now do and what this guy can now summon. But as he, as you have noted previously, he has forgotten how how much Obi Wan's connection to the Force and ability to reestablish that connection informs his ability in terms of what he can bring to bear. Yeah, I um, yeah, that's that's a that's a very good point. Like I I messed up the re- reference in a previous episode, but I do think it's very a very good reference to this is the second Creed movie where Creed not ready for the fight being a complete dope goes out and fights Drago's son gets waxed. But we all know, and everybody close to Creed knows that was not a good representation of Creed's ability. However, Drago's son does not know that. And so when Drago's son goes into the final fight, he's like, I'm just going to whoop this guy's ass again. And he gets pummeled. Like, I feel like that's, what's going to happen here with Vader. I feel like Vader going into episode six, there's going to be another confrontation is going to underestimate Anakin again, or uh, Obi-Wan again. And I do think Obi-Wan will best him in that, that, that duel. I have to comp- I have to you know say thanks by the way I had forgotten how much I loved the ro- the entire Rocky series before you've just kept referencing them throughout this show and I've yeah. started, re- started rewatching them we should watch those together at some point that's just such a great and enjoyable series 
Yeah, I don't shy away from it when we're doing pods about what I like. I mean, look, folks, I don't hide it. I like wrestling. I like the Rocky movies. I like basketball. And I like Star Wars. Like, that's what you're going to get from me. The, the, these are the polls of Lee summarized right there. Yeah. Um, so come back to the group of people on Jabim. Obi-Wan addresses them. He says, I understand you're scared. The Empire will attack soon. They are stronger than us, better equipped, better trained. If we try to fight them, we lose. But we do not need to fight them. We just need to hold them off long enough to get you all out. Obi-Wan playing the hero already, right? He's saying, I, I'm just going to, here's the deal. Stand my ground until y'all get out of here. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, it, it, it's an effective enough speech. It's what the people need to hear in this moment. They're just, the alarm bells have just gone off. They're scared. They need basically someone to provide this level of reassurance. And Obi-Wan being the hero, he's the guy to rise to that occasion. Right, but even in this explanation about how they are going to deal with this situation, it ties into what he's trying to train Anakin in, in the flashback, and how Obi-Wan taps into and uses the Force in fights, which is, we, I am never the aggressor. We are not the aggressor. However, we don't have to be the aggressor to win. Like, there is a way to win without being the one who's throwing the parries and th- or throwing the attack blows over and over again. And it all all sort of aligns into the, the Tao of Obi-Wan, right? Which is, yeah. I'm not the aggressor, but if I have to defend my mountain, I will defend it well. This is, this is Obi-Wan at his most Bruce Lee. Be like water. Go around. Work, with, work, work around them. Redirect their movement. Even more buddhist line the, the, the path and the, the interplay it's yeah. all it's all very close uh obi-wan asks roken how long he needs to open the roof he says three to four hours obi-wan says well you got one question for spencer spencer if roken said i've got it'll take me about an hour obi-wan saying you got 15 minutes right this, this is my mind is the montgomery scott situation where he's just been padding his estimates for years just under anticipation that someone's going to demand the impossible of him so he's just built it in kind of thing because otherwise i've always uh, without that understanding, I've always found these moments just kind of stupid. Because, like, if your expert says they need an hour, I can't assume that they can then do it in 15 minutes. But in movies and media, they always just do that. This is the exact opposite of what Spencer does socially, by the way. Spencer makes plans socially aspirationally. He's like, I would l- <laughs> like, if you ask Spencer, Spencer, <laughs> Spencer, I'd like to hang out with hey, you tomorrow. Spencer, Spencer will go, yes, I want to hang out with you at six tomorrow. What that means is literally that. I want to. We'll yeah. see. I, I want have, to, though. <laughs> I have stated my present desire I do as want to current to. planning. Although, it does it does occur to me that you're probably a little different at work. I imagine if somebody at work comes, hey, Spencer, how long is it going to take you to like write this brief? You're probably like, well, four days? Yeah. How about I, four? You see, they understand better to phrase the question. Spencer, would you like to finish the brief tomorrow? Yes. Yes, I would. Yes, I would like to. We'll see. <laughs> Um, uh, we see the group, uh, sealing, uh, we see the group, um, sealing the doors basically. And then we mm-hmm. see the Imperial transport land, um, uh, two transports, tons of stormtroopers come out. Spencer, these look like, these are the stormtroopers that are a little closer to Vader. I think there's stormtroopers that are on his star destroyer. Mm-hmm. They seem like they fight a little bit better than some of the other ones I, uh-huh. I have seen. I, uh-huh. I, 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 they do. They, I mean, they're giving, they're giving them hell in this fight and, I like that, and maybe maybe I'm just reading and projecting into it because I want it all to be perfect. But I like that, like these stormtroopers seem to be fighting a little bit better than the ones we saw over on that mining planet because it would make sense to me that like the the folks who are on Vader's fucking star destroyer are like the Navy SEALs, like they're ready to roll, and the guys who are on some random ass mining colony probably can get got by Tala. 
I, I would agree that they're better. They're still blazingly incompetent. It, again, the combat on the show, not sword, sword fighting combat, we'll put in a separate category. A lot of that is pretty well, is decently well done. The straight up just shooting combat is horrible. And the, the prolonged battle scene we got here was really not great and kind of colored my some of my negative views of the episode. For some of the story, I mean, the stormtrooper fighting gets bad enough that, again, characters just kind of vaguely slap them and they go down. Or they're getting it literally knife fight range and they're still missing shots. It's like, you've gone too far. Stop doing meme stormtroopers. You need to do something to make them vaguely intimidating. Otherwise, how else? I'm frustrated with a lot of the stormtrooper combat in this episode, man. I have a question for you. So I did a little bit of stand-up in my, in my background. Please, yeah. And I studied, I, stu- I studied way more stand up than I did. I really wanted to be a good. I wasn't, but I wanted to be a good stand up. So I did a lot of research and stuff. And I just studied a lot of comedy. So like guys like um, Cosby, of course, but like Richard Pryor, uh, George Carlin, um, Rodney Dangerfield, Joan Rivers. A lot of these old heads. I've followed them. I've I've watched them very closely. So therefore, when I watch something that's got a comedic element to it, I tend to be like very critical and dismissive in a way that doesn't allow me to see what would be appealing to the masses. Like it doesn't allow me to understand like, Oh, the whole theater is going to love this. I just think it's hack. Question for you is, do you think you like pounding first person shooters your entire fucking life, (laughs) knowing every weapon out there, knowing every gun, every tactical advantage, every way to like, do you think that all of that history has made you like when you watch these scenes that like maybe you're the what you're the critical lens you're looking at it through while correct is is so knowledgeable that maybe you're not seeing what because what I'm saying is like I don't think you're wrong, but I think that most people probably aren't catching the stuff that you are, and most people probably are just thinking these are like normal Star Wars scenes that are kind of fun to watch. Is what my point is. My opinion comes from a variety of different sources and a variety of different backgrounds, and the aspect of first-person shooters in terms of me, yeah, I can't deny that's there. To what degree that's directly coloring my perception of this fight, I can't tell you. Other than. The Spencer that had played first-person shooters since age seven went into this fight and was not happy with it. Oh, and I don't mean that derisively. Like, you are extremely good at first-person shooters and, like, knowledgeable about, like, sort of how, like, okay, if you have, like, ten people and you need to, like, attack a room, how would you do it? Like, that stuff you know about. And it just seems to me like you might be picking up on, like, oh, the stormtroopers should have done this thing and they're not doing it and therefore this is crap where, like, 90% of people are just going to, like, watch a firefight. And again, the biggest problem I have with it isn't necessarily stormtroopers doing stormtrooper things. It's honestly just the filmmaking going into it just making the deficits apparent. It's like... The first fight scene we ever saw Stormtroopers in, when they're they're boarding Tanta 4, they blow open the door, and they shoot a lot of Leia's royal guards, they're going down a hallway. The filmmaking, it, the fight plays out kind of similarly. The shots are usually at pretty close range. There's a lot of shot going, going back and forth in different directions. But it feels so much more tense because it feels like there's actual real danger. Here, Stormtroopers are within literally like throwing distance, grabbing distance of our heroes or even just lots of people around them. And only stormtroopers are dying for like ninety percent of the fight. It also doesn't help that. Oh, that's they, always uh, been the case, though. It, it, it main characters versus other guys. Usually, Star Wars does a pretty good job of the guys around. Not playable character. Like you loved Rogue One. Loved it. Our, our our main characters make it through to the end, 
everybody else dies due to the Empire because the Empire is actually a credible threat. Our main heroes are blessed because, you know, Campbell storytelling is how it goes. Armor, plot. Yes. But everybody else around them dies so we can actually respect that the villains are a threat. You need to give some aspect oh, of Oh, so what you're saying, I'm taking up on it, you wanted more non-playable characters for the good guys. Like, none of the good guys are falling down. All the bad guys are falling down. You understand that some of the good guys have plot armor, but how about sure. let's give them some NPCs that they... I get it. Okay, I'm with you. We talked about it. I need, okay. the, sen- I need the sentence. I'm willing to accept anything as long as you give me something to ground what happens in. If you only ever show the stormtroopers incompetent, I'm going to dismiss them as being a threat. Hmm. If you show them killing people I don't know, I'm going to start accepting them at least enough to get through the scene. It also doesn't help that uh, I think they blew their budget on setting and um, in the last episode in terms of the underwater fortress. The setting that they do for this fight scene, particularly when they land, it looks bargain video gamey in terms of just what it sets up. It's just generic brown bricky walls. And it doesn't help. The Isn't overall. that where they are, though? They're in a cave. Yeah, but they picked that. They could have done something different for that. The fact but wouldn't it make they... sense they'd be in a cave, though? They're trying to hide. It Sure, it could make sense for that. But it doesn't add necessarily to the flair or distract from oh, deficits in your overall fight scene if all I've got is just in terms of the, the, the back walls of an obvious set. Okay, I'm not necessarily as with you on the set piece, but a lesson in keeping an open mind. You did convince me that that they could have done better with the firefighting scenes because it's a very good point. If you have some good guys that we don't know, just some white shirts or red shirts, whatever, of the good guys fall as well, then it looks a little, yeah. You know what? That was a good point, Spencer. Shout out to you. It's the red shirt from Star Trek principle. I know the main heroes aren't going to die, but if a few security officers die with them, I know the scene is tense. I know there's a credible threat. Good, good point. Um, We see the group, uh, so... When the when these folks land, Reva comes out. She kind of parts the sea of the stormtroopers and she yells fire, and they all start firing. Yeah. They start blasting. Roken gets updates and Tyler reinforces. They really, really need the roof open. He tries, but it doesn't open. He presses a button. He goes tries to open. Boop doesn't open. Hajat, that was underwhelming. So they're still trying to give comedic lines to Kamal Namaji. Whatever. It falls flat for me. Maybe yeah. it works for somebody else, as previously discussed. Yeah. Um, Roken yeah. says. Go ahead. Is this is this because low little batteries not included droid is still basically nonstop hacking up there? It's like this would have been working fine if she wasn't still like plugged in preventing the door from opening. Mm, it, I didn't get the, I, the door opens kind of fine once Leia eventually turns her off later. No, Leia doesn't turn her off. She just takes the thing out. I don't. I did not connect. Off. I did not connect that the that Lola was stopping the door from opening. Maybe I well, missed it. I did not connect we, that. We did see Lola go in and into that little nestle of wires, and then the door closed. So we know that Lola closed the door. She it, that seems to be part of Reva's plan is you know shutting down. the So maybe she's just up there, bink bink bink. Maybe so. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe 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 so. That's a good point. Um, so. Roken says, "Look, Haja goes. Look, why don't you just crawl up in the vent and see what's going on? Because." This actually, this does make a lot of sense, right? Because like maybe t- maybe that's what's happening is that there's something up there that they can't pinpoint, and it's the little droid that's fucking everything up. And Roken's like, "You see me? Do you see me? I I look like Ice Cube. I can't get up wing, there. Wing Knight. I am. I like the lemon pepper. Wing Knight. <laughs> I I have some size on me. And uh, Leia says, "I'm gonna need a ladder." Obi Wan, do as she says. Do you trust me? I trust her. Uh, loved. Look. I'm not here for criticisms of Little Leia. I don't care. Like I, I, could, I can see how someone could be critical of this scene. 
I just will not be that person. I, I'm not. Honestly, it's fine. Leia has the gumption and she has the mass. She can make this work. Yep. Big smile from Leia back to Obi-Wan. One thing we do know about Leia, and it is consistent across all Star Wars media, is she's a little, she's a little like uh, feisty, a uh, mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. sarcastic, a little mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. assumpt- that she assumes a lot. But if you show her, if you show faith in her, mm-hmm. she appreciates it. Um, she showed that love back to all of our main characters in four, five, six. She's done it in a lot of books. If you, if you're just like, look, trust her. She likes that. We've also, and I, they could have given us more. I'm always there for giving us more. And you even sent me a post that I think the internet is on my side about Disney needs to start doing 10 episode seasons. Not all the internet. I sent you the one entire tweet, internet. But... You showed me the Twitter. The Twitter is saying this. <laughs> Good Lord, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I think they've all, they have given us enough of an inkling that she does like droids. She does like know how to fit, repair and fix droids. Yeah. So it could also make a certain sense that she has at least a basic technical knowledge to go up and do what needs to be done up there too. And we also just know that she's smart enough to take like basic orders. So like if she gets yeah. up there and she starts reporting what What's she sees. The red one? Yeah. Roken might be able to say, oh yeah, you know, whatever, you know? Um, so Obi-Wan tells her to be careful. Obi-Wan asks Aja to keep an eye on her. I am not a babysitter, Ben. And Obi-Wan completely ignores him and says, okay, <laughs> how about away. this? Like, how about you just do what I said? Yeah. Um, we see Leia up in the crawl space looking around. Obi-Wan goes to a private place and listens to a transmission from Bail Organa. I will say this. Uh, I do not call plot points often. I don't. I screw a lot of plot points up. But when I saw this, I thought that was a stupid thing that Bail Organa did. He should not be sending that transmission. And he even says it. I know I shouldn't be sending this, but... I I have not liked anything they've done with Bail Organa and Tatooine on this show. It has just been out of character dumb. That he would go to Tatooine in the first place to go talk to Obi-Wan. Or that he would send this message. Because if Obi-Wan's captured, they're going to get the message. It's like Here's here's what, the here's what they want. The uh, here, the here's what they want. So, here's the thing. For me and you, people who know the Star Wars, know the story, read Legends, this seems way out of character for Bail Organa to be this. Incredibly so. Because Bail Organa is not a stupid man. He is one of the smartest in the entire rebellion. Here's what I think they're trying to to display to us. I'm not sure it's going to land with either one of us because of who we are personally. I think that what they're trying to say is when it comes to someone's children, people act irrationally. Because... Bale does not, he does not act this way about anything else we see in Star Wars media, except when it comes to the immediate safety of Leia. So maybe that's what they're trying to convey. I don't have kids. Doesn't land as hard for me. I can imagine someone with kids that might land hard for them. That is the, I agree. That's the explanation they're going for. It just does not work for me with Bale Organa. It doesn't. It, I mean, it, it, it's not in keeping with any, any aspect we've seen of the character before. And I feel it's not doing justice to him in a way that, I also have a very, I easily get frustrated that trope of the hysterical parent just doing dumb things, and the fact they're now assigning it to Bail Organa frustrates me. Yeah, but it's like we were talking about before we started recording. Like things are stereotyped for a reason, right? Like I mean, I have seen a lot of hysterical parents doing stupid things in my life, so like it, it does happen. It also struck me as being an obvious seeing behind the camera of how they're trying to go from uh, point B to point C in just terms of the overall plot of where okay. The final fight's going to be on Tatooine because Bail Organa gave, gave us that, that information. It's like, did you have any inkling at all ever that the bad guys weren't going to see this message before, like, this episode was over? Well, I mean, no, I mean, no, but I mean, that's why I'm being critical of Bail Organa. I'm not letting it, like, yeah. take me out of the writing. I'm just saying Bail shouldn't have done that. And 
he's doing it because he's just kind of nuts because somebody took his daughter. Now, I have talked to parents who have said, like, if somebody takes my my child, I will murder everybody in this fucking neighborhood. Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. parents will get that way. Like, we, I, I don't, it doesn't land with me as personally, but it probably does for a lot of people. I think it probably works for the majority of the audience. I don't know. But I was frustrated with Bill's approach it, here, for sure. It, it, and that, that's kind of the difference here for you're willing to accept enough. You're frustrated with bail. I'm not willing to. You're just enough. mad at the frustra- writing. It's not realistic. Yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that's where it's coming on this. Um, so, well, one thing I do want to speculate with you is in the message, he says he's been nervous. He he's worried he might find them. He might find them. Mm-hmm. I think the obvious answer here is he is Vader. He yes. might find Leia. And however, it does cross my mind that he might be concerned that he, like he in this message, might be the Emperor. I interpreted it as Vader. Uh, that's how I interpreted it. Perfectly possible it's the Emperor too. Because he doesn't, he has no idea what Vader will do if Vader gets his own children on, like well, in his possession. He, he, he does he, know what the Emperor will do. What does, here's a key question. Does Bale know that Vader is Anakin? I wouldn't think he does. Well, if if he doesn't know, then then I don't I, then I'm not as sure that he's talking about Vader. He might he might just be talking about the Emperor writ large and not even be thinking about Vader. So, I I was kind of wondering. I was curious to talk with you about it. There was some implication that he did know, but I would imagine he knows because he, how plugged he in he is with old Republic leadership with the, the remnants of the Jedi. I mean, like Bale. If anybody's gonna know in the Rebellion side, it's gonna be Bale. It, I would think. It, it, if and, anybody's going to know, it's Bale. But it's like, we even have Obi-Wan say in this episode, no one should know this. How the hell does Reva know this? Anakin would not let this get this information get out. So I, I yeah. liked that they did that. Because you and I were like, no fucking ways this comes out. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. I'll t- we'll talk about that. But I, I don't know. I, I think the assumption for most of the audience is going to be that he's talking about Vader. But I do think there's yeah. a possibility that he could be, be talking about the Emperor. Because... Sure. Let's say he knows that Vader is the is Anakin and therefore the father of Leia, the biological father of Leia. He might be like, I don't know what he's going to do if he gets Leia. He may like bring her. He may give her a little little teeny Vader suit and make her a little Vader Junior. Who knows? But I do <laughs> oh, know that if Palpatine, I do know that if Palpatine gets his hands on her, that's all she wrote. Katie barred the door, as they say in the south. Yeah. Um, Bale does say he's going to head to Tatooine if he doesn't hear from him soon, which is a very stupid thing to do. Very stupid. Because it couldn't. It's even. It's even stupid. Like again, not taking me out of the writing. I just think Bale's being stupid. Couldn't he have just said, "I will. I'm going to go to your hometown." Like, don't say the name. Just, I'm going to go to your. Don't home Don't say plan. it on the radio. Don't say it on open line. You could just plainly say, "I understand." You know, I. I'll be there or something. I, I don't know. I, I know what I know what your responsibilities are. I'll handle them. Like, you're on a recorded line. Keep it ambiguous, at least. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we cut to Tala. Uh, very fun. She walks up to Obi-Wan. She asks if everything is all right. Obi-Wan, it will be. Tala tells a story about a time she was working for the Empire on Garel, planet I did not know. Okay. She was following orders. The Empire told them. So here is where we start to get a little sympathy for all the fucking middlemen yes. of the Empire. Because she says... The Empire told us these people didn't pay their taxes, and that's why we were rounding them up because they weren't doing their fair share to help the rest of society. On and on and on. You can you can yeah. send that Bernie Sanders that right out, right? That's a lie. What they were is for sensitive families, 
And she figured this out about halfway through this fucking ordeal. And she explains that 16, 14 people died. Six of them were children. And she had to watch it happen. And she was powerless. They, they, in the, the sentence, they killed them, are the Inquisitors specifically. So the Inquisitors yeah. were there committing this atrocity on these four insensitive families. And Tala says, so now I do this. She pulled out a gun, one for every one I get through. Um, great, great quote here. You're right, Ben. Some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. Shout out Tala. And I mean, th- th- obviously I got ni- major death flags from this conversation. I figure like, okay, she's, she's given us that past. She's given us that kind of connection. She's given us that kind of character explanation she's totally dead now because we only have two episodes left and they want to make this hurt sure yeah i saw that coming but i loved the scene it was still well acted it was still it's still playing into well done star wars tropes because some of my favorite characters in the legends are the ones that were imperial rank and file who were just doing their day job until they realized what shit this was and they decided to make things right or do what they could obvious parallel Obviously, obvious parallel to totalitarian systems we've had in on this planet. I mean, I think the best one is probably the Nazis, right? Like, it's. A, I think that uh, a lot of, of legends yeah. canon was legends were written from that perspective of like stormtroopers. Yeah, <laughs> like the people, the people in Germany who were like, you know what? The, I mean, how much fucking money can we pay for World War One? That is unbelievable. They're asking us to pay this much money. Yes. You know what? I do kind of like what this guy's saying. I am gonna work as a trash collector for him. Holy shit! I'm, he's killing everybody. Like, I mean that—that's kind of like how it rolls, and that is the story that gets told through many different perspectives in legend canon, and we're getting some now in in this canon. And as a matter of fact, we get some of that in the Tarkin books because yeah. some of Tarkin's folks, um, Tarkin does a much better job than Vader and the Emperor of hiding his meanness and evilness and oh, atrocities. Yeah. Much better. But some of them still figure it out that he's he's a piece of shit. And then they they start to flip and turn and you have tension and the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And again, the the original Han Solo and Legends was very much in terms of that background. The Solo movie did its own shit with that that we're going to ignore. Uh, But Han Solo and Legends very much had that that kind of background. Your Davin Fels, your Crix Maydeans. These are some of my favorite characters from the Legends in terms of gone through that story. So I like to see it here. It's a fun degree of rhyme that Star Wars loves to do. Yep, then Roken tells them, we're in trouble. The Empire is blasting through. Obi-Wan says they have to find a way to hold them off. He finally gets a grand idea. Tell them I want to talk to Third Sister. She started this whole damn thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm taking some liberties with this quote. Uh, this damn thing when she kidnapped Leia. So Obi-Wan is now going to treat directly with Reva. Here's what I thought. Um, I don't know what... I, 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 did, I had the vision of when Daenerys was trying to get into Marine and... The, they sent out, out the one the fighter yeah, and she sent out Dario Naharis and it was just like a 1v1. I thought that's what they were going for and I was like, Reva is in trouble because this what? is a different Obi-Wan now. But that's what? not what it was. Given the given the heavy parallels in this episode to Last Jedi, I very much was like, okay, this is Luke going to appear out front. That would have been a better here. reference. Yes, you're absolutely right. When Luke Luke holographed in and fought uh, Ben, yeah. And ben, I thought ben that's Solo. what effectively they were setting up. Instead, they have a conversation through the least soundproof door ever, which is still a well-done scene in dialogue and proves all of our theories correct. Well, they could have been talking through the Force, too. I mean, like that, you can explain that away a million different ways. You, you could. Usually they do like a little like force noise to indicate they're doing that, but yeah, sure, I'm, fu- I'm honestly just making fun. I don't, I don't, I, I, they can explain that any way they want. Cut to Reva. She clearly agrees to this deal because she walks right up to the door. Then we get an Obi-Wan-Reva conversation. First, Obi-Wan clearly tries to get into her head. Using the Force doesn't work. Reva explains, 
If you're stalling for time, that's not going to work. Reva, I'd like to point out it's working right now. Yeah, yeah. Why? You are you're, All your people are not shooting right now, so it is actually, the stalling is working as we speak. I legitimately don't know why she's even entertaining this. Just like, there's nothing you can tell me that you would... You know why. If, you know why she's entertaining this, because because the, what we found out about her, the, the, face, yes. the face turn. She says, Vader will have Obi-Wan at any cost. Obi-Wan, you mean Anakin. Obi-Wan points out that Reva knew who Anakin was. Obi-Wan then goes, you should not be able to know that. I would like to point something out. It's going to seem like I'm really coming at you. I don't mean to be. But so many people, when Reva knew that Anakin was Vader, said, the writing sucks. This is a plot hole. This is taking me completely out of it. I can't listen to this anymore. And didn't just fucking go with it. If you just had gone with it, they explain it later in canon. It makes a load of sense. It does. And they acknowledge how they acknowledge how she they acknowledge the exact point that all of the this minions on well the internet done. said. So the, like the conversation we were just having, where I was saying, Oh, well, Bale, like Bale's doing something stupid, and you're like, Yeah, he's doing something stupid, therefore the writing sucks, I'm out. Like, that's where I would challenge maybe you to say, like, or maybe not you, but whoever, like, hang tight. Let's see if it gets explained what? before we just bail on the writing. We're, because if we'd have hung tight with this one, they do explain it in a way that I, I think there's a payoff for. What? And I I was actually with you with respect to this of where I thought they could they have time to explain this. It feels like it could fit into her backstory. That's fine. I don't think they're gonna have time with Bale, and I think they're just gonna just, Hour and a half. <laughs> no, they're not gonna spend it. We're not gonna get Bale going, I'm sorry, I was off my pills, you know, very out of character. Now, he he that. may he may say, like, look, I, I, I lost my mind about the it's a kid and I I mean they're you don't know is my point. So like I don't know. Don't I so like let's not like I one. think I'm not, look, watch out Star Wars however you want to. But what I would just advise as somebody who gets a lot of joy from it is maybe hang tight with the writing and see if it gets explained before chalking it up to a plot hole and giving up on the series. I, I will accept that there is a bit of an issue of the Ted Lasso season one versus Ted Lasso season two response of where if you get to consume everything right away, you get a very different response out of it to having to consume it week to week. And I think people mm. are getting much more used to consuming things right away and much more hostile than to consuming things week to week to week in terms of what they have to now anticipate coming forward versus what they have to experience now. That so is a I very good point. That's a very good point. I, that, you know what? I hadn't thought of that. It's a very good point that maybe maybe we were just not as trained to hang tight anymore. And yeah, that if we did we're just, not, we're out if, of we, if people watch, yeah, people watch all six episodes of Obi-Wan, they probably wouldn't have that same, in one sitting, they probably wouldn't have that same critique. That's a very good point, Spencer. Um, so where are we at here? Uh, yeah, so Vader... Um, yeah, so Anakin says Vader would have wanted to hide that information. And you're too young to know Anakin unless... Ellipses. Obi-Wan pieces together that she was there during Order 66. She was a youngling. You must have seen. You must have did. You must have felt... Shut up! Scream, she, yeah. Reva screams. Really tipping her hand that she's still emotionally impacted by this. I think Obi-Wan picks up on that. I think he goes, oh, I got it. I found it. I found the nerve. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, um, then we get a Reva flashback, and she sees Anakin walking and killing younglings, and for the first time, we see young Reva's face during this, and she is terrified as all fuck. And, Spencer, is that the Jedi's music? I think the Jedi might be back. Face turn time. Woo! Let's go, Reva. 
Um, no, this, this is not a face turn. This is, as you said, this is an enemy of the en- enemy of my enemy is my friend. No, it's a, that. I mean, in wrestling, that would still be a face turn because you for the for the point of this conflict, sure. we, we we have for, a we have an ally battle. in Riva. Um, I'm not saying Riva's a. I think that probably this is why I like the Riva character so much, and I I, I kind of wish I had a little bit more time to like think about this. Maybe I'd be a little bit more articulate, but like. I love that she's so twisted up inside that like sure. even when she tries to kill Vader, she's still like fucking nuts and you can't trust her and she'll do she'll kill innocence for it. And like that whole what she saw during Order 66 was so traumatizing and her life afterwards was so traumatizing that like even when she tries to do good or she's doing something we would objectively say is good, she's a bad actor in the whole process. Right. I mean, the only thing that has kept her going for years now is her hate. Her hate, her hate, her desire for revenge, her desire to inflict pain. That's just the only thing she's had left because everything else was peeled away from her. She has been left an open wound of a person and just is inflicting pain for what she feels. I think she's a fascinating character. I, I'm all they, in on this character. I want to read a book. Um, she says she's trying. You're going to get it. I, I, I don't think she's going to die next episode. I think this is going to be a new character they're going to run with now. I hope so. I'm I'm, in, I'm digging it because there, there's a lot of layers there, and there's a lot of opportunities for growth or backsliding. You know, she could she could go toward the light. She could fall back into the dark. There's a lot of things on the table for this character, and in more and more, I think the actress is doing a good job with it. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm stupid, but like, I I'm with you. First episode. It's like it when they rough. introduce a new wrestling character, like we talked about last episode. It's over the top. It's like, wow, I get it. Doink the clown is a clown. Got it, WWE. But more and more, now we're seeing more nuance and we're seeing better acting from the actors, I think. Just my personal it, opinion. It, 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 I mean, she's also stepping into a very similar role that Starkiller played in the video games. And if they wanted to have her assume that mantle, that could be a lot of interesting things they could do with that. Starkiller, for those that don't know, uh, Darth Vader's little Sith Padawan person. Yes, in the, the Force Unleashed video games, one of which is okay. Cool character, though. Um, yeah. Reva explains that when she saw Anakin come in and she thought he was there to help, he started killing all of her friends. They were the only family I knew, and he slaughtered them. She explains that she hid amongst the bodies, feeling them grow cold. <sighs> Awful. Obi-Wan listens and finally pieces this all together. You're not serving him, are you? You're hunting him. Obi-Wan says he'll help her. They want the same thing. She questions that. Do you, Obi-Wan? Do you? Do you want Anakin dead? Great motherfucking question, Reva. Obi-Wan does not answer said question. That was a very astute point by her. She goes, Mm -hmm. you don't want to die. You want to save these people. But do you really want to kill him? Question mark. Yeah, he, he was your Padawan. Where were you when he was running rampant through the, through the temple? Now, we know where he was. Obi-Wan knows where he was, but it's still a good thing for her to call out. I he know, was killing General Grievous at the time, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and doing a damn good job of it. But here's the thing. She might have meant that literally. She might have meant, where were you during the moment that he was killing my friends? I think through the little interpretation siphon filter... Obi-Wan took that metaphorically and said, where were you writ large to stop this entire thing? Why didn't you stop your Padawan from doing this? I would agree. She meant it literally, because I don't think she knows any better about why why he wasn't there. I think Obi-Wan very much interpreted of his own personal guilt of where I, there, I was the person more than anyone that could have stopped this. Yeah. he. But it would have been cool if he'd have fired back and been like, I fucking was killing General Grievous, you jackass. Um, she... 
Obi-Wan says, uh, she tells Obi-Wan she doesn't need his help. She doesn't need anyone to help. I'll do this on my own. I, I don't need myself. You know, one of those little bratty kid things. Obi-Wan says, look, you will not stop him alone. She says, you have no idea what I've been doing alone. She then plunges her lightsaber into the door and doing so is able to open it. It fires open. When she does, when she does, I thought this was really cool because I've just been like guessing, I feel like, with the, what the breadcrumbs are giving me, that Obi-Wan is getting stronger and stronger in the Force. Mm-hmm. And he, boom, Force pushes her ass like 15 yards. Like he blows her back. And Some I'm like, okay. All right, Obi-Wan is... What we saw in Episode 3 to Episode 5 is a different animal because he just blows her right the fuck back. Now, I I like the scene. It was well done. This is just, again, an error about them not necessarily thinking these things through. If she could have done that from the start, why didn't she? Why was she having the big fuck-off laser trying to blow open the door if she could just literally lightsaber through it like that? Oh well, she may, I mean she may have not known, right? I mean she might have not known that it would it would jack open. I mean this is start with yeah. your universal box cutter, Lily. Please, you've got the tools. It's also pretty dangerous for her, right, to to have the door open with her right there because like it, it if in theory what they should have done is everyone fire at her, but you know they didn't. I, if I was her, I wouldn't be. And she and no other point is at the front lines in this thing. By the way, I'd point out she's in the back communicating to the stormtroopers so that might be where the reason she didn't go up there and plunge that lightsaber in i don't know um i love the force force push though that made me literally cheer for obi-wan um you you talked before about the the ability to influence or control another one through the force is meant to signify a significant imbalance in power or yes catching somebody off guard we see that a lot here in these upcoming fights to just highlight that point of how just overmatched certain characters are and let me be clear to those who are casual intakers of the Star Wars media. Inquisitors are not Jedi. Reva, yes, can use the Force to some extent. She does have a lightsaber. It might, I, I do not fault you at all for getting that confused with a Jedi. She's not as strong in the Force as a Jedi would be. She would be on the spectrum somewhere in like mid-Padawan, like somewhere in that spectrum. She, when Obi-Wan is up and back on his feet and rolling, she is not not a threat to him. And that is why we see Obi-Wan completely able to just dismiss her, push her away. And then we see later on that her trying to 1v1 Vader is a joke. I mean, like, Laughable. because she is, she's not a Jedi. And, and that is in keeping with the Sith. There can only be two. The Sith do not want a bunch of fucking, for, like, uh, like Sith-level people running around. It caused they're, them they're very, in the past. they're very insecure in that. So, Vader doesn't train Reva any farther. He doesn't train the Grand Inquisitor any farther to make them stronger. He doesn't want them to be. He wants to be able to do exactly what he does this episode to them, which is manhandle them at the drop of a bucket. That's that's how he rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, Force push. Reva then commands the stormtroopers to fight, to take off, to bull rush the breach. They stand and they fight, but they are vastly outnumbered. Now I will say, Obi Wan is flying around with that lightsaber. Uh, did you like the the pacing of that? Did you think that looked good with Obi Wan fighting back the bullets and stuff? I thought I thought Obi Wan in this fight looked fine. I, again, I think the overall fight is not. I don't particularly like it. I think it's kind of clunky. It's a lot of people shooting each other at very close range and very little happening. And in any of the heroes that get shot, Obi Wan immediately runs over and picks them up, and they're okay, and he gets them out of the room. It, it, it does not feel like there's much. It doesn't feel like there's much in terms of risk or consequences, or even particularly well done filmmaking going in the fight. The actual 
Sword work, Ewan McGregor practiced, and he looks great as he's going around and blocking bolts. That that looks fine. It's everybody else around him. Yeah. Yeah. We also see the big droid, the loading droid of Talos. It's helping mm-hmm. so much. This thing is it, an MVP situation. It's dropping troopers left and right. Yeah. Shout out to droids. Uh, Reva is now standing at the back, yelling for them to push. Uh, cut to Haja. He's really pushing Leia to hurry. Tells her to uh, look for the red wire. Spencer, it's always the red wire. Isn't it always the red wire? Uh, uh, according to movies, yeah. There's no Really, bomb makers, stop using red wires. They're always going to know to cut those. We get more action scenes of the Empire pushing in. Obi-Wan helping folks fall back. Uh, man, shout out to this droid again. He's on the front line. At one point, a stormtrooper runs up to him. He grabs him and jacks him into the roof like hits it pushes him up into the ceiling which was pretty cool effect mm-hmm. um obi-wan um continues to pull more people and tala is really fighting really rolling and shout out to the actress for this she has a very like gritty determined like 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 kobe like clenched steely, jaw steely situation yeah. St- yeah really acting that well i felt like um obi-wan tries to fight to to well the, the droid takes a few hits right and then Tala takes a hit, and then the droid comes over and literally shields her with it's its body, body as it as it dies. Um, you know, it's just like a we see it every step of the way in Star Wars storytelling. Droids absolutely underrepresented, underappreciated, and obviously have some. There's something in this universe that occasionally some of these droids have like feelings, and I don't know well, why or how. I guess it's AI becoming sentient, but like holy fuck, this droid cares about Tala. You can see it. I don't know whether they've kept this in modern canon, but one of the explanations in Legends is that droids by default don't have this, but they're, and it's purposeful. They're purposefully regularly memory wiped to prevent this so that they can just be loyal slaves and not have their own personalities and wills. But the longer they go without memory wipes, the more the degree they develop. Their oh yeah, that's in the new motivations one. And loyal. That, that is still in the new stuff? Yeah, remember in the last one when they had the whole wiping of C-3PO conversation? Yeah, I do remember and, that actually. Yeah, yeah, and, and that in in that it came out that droids are supposed to be wiped every certain period, but R two D two had never been wiped. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, still, that, so uh, the clear implication here is this droid has been with Tala for a while and has got not gone through that me- regular memory wipe routine, and so has developed emotions and closeness and its own motivations for why it does what it does, in a way that droids aren't supposed to. Yeah, so that's probably exactly that's a great call, Spencer. That's probably exactly what Tala's been doing here is not wiping that droid's memory. And that droid does seriously care about Tala and Tala seriously seems to care and appreciate the service of the droid because she looks back at it uh, as it, as it dies. uh, She touches the the blood on her chest. She sees that she's shot. She sees the, the stormtroopers coming at her. I will say that Obi-Wan is trying to push to get to her, but there's blaster fire everywhere around him. Uh, Forced back. The way that I, I interpreted it is he was doing his best to move forward, but he just couldn't get to her. Tala recognizes that pulls out a detonator says, Get back. She shoots the panel, closing the door in front of Obi-Wan's face. She says, may the force be with you. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. Explosion. Explosion, as they would say, Spencer. Yeah, and this is where the plot firmly diverges from Last Jedi. The hero is is willing and able to sacrifice herself for the sake of those that she loves and cares about. Look, you could do that too and still love. Well, Finn tried. Finn tried to sacrifice himself in The Last Jedi. He just wasn't allowed to. He was stopped by plot. Yeah, uh, well, and, and a very, very aggressive uh, romantic interest. Who's like, ah, damn it, it took me a long time to find a boyfriend. I'm not getting another one. Um, yeah. Uh, Roken asks Kaja if they're close. Leia, are we close? Working on it. She's working on it. Mm. 
Uh, Vader is updated that they've breached the wall. Vader says, well, stand down. Kenobi is already ours. If we've breached the wall, Kenobi is already ours. Now, put a pin in that. Cut back to the training, and Anakin is attacking way too fiercely. This goes back to what we were talking about before. It's like, how the fuck did Obi-Wan not see this? Like, the way he is fighting, it just in this sparring session, it has to show that he has this inner rage that is not, absolutely cool. not on a plane. Not on a plane with, with what the Jedi are all about. Mm-hmm. He yells, admit you're defeated. Um cut to obi-wan he says it's over i'm going back um obi-wan explains uh so he anakin and this is in the flashback anakin yells admit you're defeated we cut back to obi-wan in the modern uh timeline in the current timeline and he says it's over i'm going back meaning i'm going back out there where the empire is obi-wan explains that vader wants him roken pushes him but obi-wan explains that vader expects him to surrender he knows i'll do anything i can to save these people so again obi-wan and Vader are on a plane. Vader knows, hey, we breached the wall, meaning we now have, we are a material threat to these people. That means we've got Obi-Wan because he's coming out. I know it. Mm-hmm. We've got him. Obi-Wan says, oh, he's already got me. I have to go out because like the, I, 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 the chess pieces are already done. I'm checkmated. I have to go out there. So I, I don't, I don't know if it worked for everybody, but for me, what I got from that is that they, are, they still very much are, like locked in with how each other thinks mm-hmm. um, and it's just being represented in two different two different spaces no, very much so and I love that we had scenes directly implying that the two of them are even flashing back to the same moment of that sparring session together and like they're yeah. both experiencing almost at the same time that common memory yeah um, the come out or innocence die move uh, we see so much in uh, in media and that's exactly what this is it's a mm-hmm. you know it's it's an implicit in what the Empire is doing here Obi-Wan comes out or we kill everybody it, it seems um, a key aspect of Inquisitor strategy basically is that just play off the fact that Jedi will almost, almost practically need to help people so let's hurt people and they'll come out and try to stop us not a surprise to me that this is a direct reporting organization to Vader that they operate this way <laughs> Um, Obi-Wan gives his lightsaber to Haja. Interesting. And tells him to look out for Leia. Hmm. Roken, how are you going to fight without your weapon? Obi-Wan, there are other ways to fight. Cut to Leia. She's working hard. Cut to Obi-Wan. He's being taken to third sister. Reva, inform Lord Vader. Kenobi is ours. Obi-Wan gets on his knees. Reva, Reva explains that, well, Vader's on his way. He's coming. You about to die. You about to die. Enjoy Obi-Wan, you're not bringing him to me. I'm bringing him to you. Reva cocks her head, moves in a little closer. Obi-Wan explains this isn't over. Obi-Wan explains her children back there. Just like you were. Just like you were. Little kids back there. Are you really going to let him do this to these kids the same way he's always done? That he's always fucking been able to get away with? Are you going to let him do it? We could end this together. She looks at Obi-Wan. What makes you think he won't see it coming? Obi-Wan, because all he'll see is me. Now, that sounds really good. It sounds like he's giving Reva good advice. I think he means it to be good advice. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. Yes, yes, Vader is intently focused on Obi-Wan. Yes. But he sees through Third Sister what? shit right away. He has the whole time. And so this idea of you're safe, you'll be able to get a swing in because he'll be looking at me. Obi-Wan actually sets her up to get killed. I, and I, I, don't, I don't think Obi-Wan's perfectly innocent in this. I think he's... Obi-Wan's not dumb. Obi-Wan's not dumb. He's, you know, blinded by his loyalty and love for Anakin. Sure, whatever. We can talk about that. But I think in some ways he's setting Reva up to fail here. I don't, I didn't get that at all. I mean, that, that, 
I'm not Ooh. sure. It's a it's a perfectly valid interpretation. I'm not sure that we have enough to know either way. I agree. Um, I agree. I, 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 I just think it was Obi Wan just like under overestimating how emotional Vader is going to be in this moment and underestimating his comprehensive understanding of the situation. Well, I, I, I don't think he's wrong about Vader's focus on him. We see that play out. It's just yeah. Vader's capable of two things. And, Pete, and, and we see that play out too. Yeah, Reva then turns around and walks away. She motions for stormtroopers to take him. Now, at this point, I thought she was saying, take him no. to the ship or take him with me. No, that's not exactly, not at all what she was saying. Come back to the flashback and Anakin is attacking Obi-Wan's defending. Finally, Anakin knocks his lightsaber away. There, your weapon's gone. It's over. Great, 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 great line from Obi-Wan here. Your need for victory, Anakin, it blinds you. Potential line of the episode. Um, cut to Vader and he is walking to Reva. Where is he? Reva says he's secured inside. So Reva doesn't like even tell him, I had him out here at one point, nothing. She just sent him right back in with, I think, a plan. Uh, Vader says he will bring him in himself. Cut back to Leia and uh, Lola comes up and just keeps running and running and running at this thing. Leia figures out what the fuck is going on here. Up under its wing, she's the tracker, pulls it out. Mm-hmm. Lola is saved. Yep. Lola's saved. We can sell sell all the Lola toys. Again, most adorable restraining bolt ever. I love that they apparently make little tiny restraining... I love that apparently it's suggesting that there are different sizes of restraining bolt, of restraining bolt based on droids. Because previously they've all been the same size. But we've all seen droids that have been roughly the same size. There are AAA battery uh, restraining bolts. There are AA. There are even D-sized battery restraining bolts. We just now understand it. Yep. Reva then... Um... No, cut back to Leia. Uh, I don't know. Cut to Vader. He's walking down the hallway to Kenobi. Then we see Leia. She sees the right cord. She connects it. And woof. Roof open. Shout out to Leia. Can we just give a round of applause to Leia? Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Leia. Yeah, she did. She did well. She saved the she day. She did very Everybody well. else would have been truly fucked if she hadn't got that door open. Everybody was kind of shitty in this entire... Nobody batted a very high percentage of the episode except for Leia. Yeah. Cut to Obi-Wan and he's back inside. He comes up to Leia, tells her, well done, well done, Leia, well done. And Leia asks, what about Reva? Or not Reva, uh, what about Tala? Tala. And um, we don't get to see Obi-Wan deliver the news, but I can imagine it didn't go well. So Reva let Obi-Wan go back inside with a plan, right? Um, A a plan of the decoy transport, right? Did did she tell the two stormtroopers that he went with that we see Obi-Wan kind of kill in shadow that that was part of the plan? Two of them didn't didn't fare that well. I think that's just externalities, right? That's just sorry. Yeah, poor. Cut to Vader walking in along with the transport. A lot. Cut to Vader walking in uh, alone, and the transport is taking off. Vader literally pulls the motherfucking transport up, out the of the sky. Of now this sky. is this is something I talked about a couple episodes ago with the whole like uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna save Leia from the Fortress Inquisitorius, right? Mm. When Reva ran out and the transport was taking off, that is where I would expect a very strong force user to pull the transport back down. We've seen Yoda yep. do it. We've seen um, Ray do it. And now we see Vader do it on a big scale. This is a big transport. Its thrusters oh, are, yeah. are full. Not only does he pull it down, he turns the thing off and he starts <laughs> ripping, ripping oh, the great. doors or the it's sides great. off of it. I mean, I love that they are doing more force movement with Vader. As opposed to like actually manually doing things, and I love it. The brute, I like at this 
stupid pun, but I love the brute force of it, right? Like I love yeah. that he doesn't whip the door open. He rips the side of the transport off with the force and flings it off to the side in just a snap of your fingers. And it, it just shows his extreme strength. Yeah, it shows his extreme strength, and I love it's a hyper, hyper, hyperbolic play on the same fight style we see with him and Obi-Wan earlier, of where yep. this is a guy that runs on brutal, hard, strong moves. And here it's, out, here it's playing out with him just casually ripping aspects of this transport apart with his mind. But doesn't serve him well right he should have taken a beat to look at the entire situation because he went after that transport so fast he didn't realize that was a decoy transport the other transport behind it whoop up and up and leaves as vader's ripping the doors and the, well not really doors just the sides off of that decoy transport your need for victory anakin it blinds you cut back to the flashback and obi-wan plays defense eventually taking anakin's lightsaber back from him potential line of the episode you are a great warrior anakin but your need to prove yourself is your undoing. Until you overcome it, a Padwan, you still will be. Sir, sir. Yoda! I know. It's a very Yoda ask. Oh, until you overcome it, Padwan, you will be. Uh, I have to ask, is this setting up, is this attempting to explain the line we get in episode four of where, when I last I met you, I was the student of where Vader's clearly harkening back to this moment himself. He's harkening back to that line about until you can overcome this, you will always be a student in Padawan. Is that the explanation that they're providing for the line we get from in episode four of when I last I met you, I was the student. Now I'm the master. Maybe, maybe um, if this is the last time they see each other um, in this series, then maybe because it's yet again, I mean, it's yet another situation where, you know, Anakin has not learned the lessons. Anakin, Anakin slash Vader is still leading impulsively and still takes an L. I mean, ultimately he takes an L here because Obi-Wan gets away because he didn't just take a fucking beat to watch everything. If he took a second to look in that transport before going crazy, if he'd waited, like, I mean, anything, anything, like he could have, he could have potentially gotten Obi-Wan, but he acted super fast, super impulsively, and, and Obi-Wan was able to predict that behavior. Um, I will say, uh, this will not win line of the episode, but it is my line of the episode, if that makes any sense. Until you overcome it, a Padawan, you still will be, because that is obviously, obviously fucking Obi-Wan taking the lessons of Yoda and passing them down. He takes his phrasing, for God's sakes. Well, I, I almost feel like he did that on purpose, just to just to kind of like soften the blow, because it clearly makes Obi Wan, it clearly makes Anakin laugh. Oh, it's like, yeah. It, it's like they're sharing a little joke right now of where, ha dude, you know, I beat you, and as Master Yoda would say, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, a little teasing of Yoda for sure, for sure. But I, st- I love that the, the the Yoda references there. All I'm, any look, I'm here for it. I literally in my closet right now have a pair of Adidas that are branded Yoda. You you're looking over my right shoulder, you see Baby Yoda on my counter. Like I'm I here do. for. It. I do. Um, cut back to present day. We see Vader breathing. Then we see Reva walk up behind him. She's got the Inquisitory uh, Inquisitor lightsaber, which is basically um, a circle with a lightsaber in between it that can fire both ways if it needs to. Yeah, it's not it's not like it's a real Darth Maul double bladed lightsaber. It's almost like there's an attachment in the center that has the effect of a weed whacker, where you get two lightsabers kind of weed whacker connected there. Yep. And um she lights it up and she takes her swing. She shoots her shot, Spencer. But as we have all learned through American popular media, if you come at the king, you best not miss. And Thank guess you. what? She missed. 
Uh, Vader stopped her. Straight to the chest. Vader stopped her so fast, turns around, looks at her and says, he was wise to use you against me. So he acknowledges that by using Reva against him, he was able to get away and it was a smart move on Obi-Wan's part. He pieces together that Obi-Wan outboxed him a little bit in this situation mentally, but he was aware of Reva's shit all the time. Vader then fights her without a lightsaber in one of the coolest 1v1 duels I've ever fucking seen. I love it. I've talked before about I've wanted more force powers in these duels. That they've just been generally straight up sword fights. Seeing Vader for a significant portion of this fight, not even feeling the need, the need to draw his blade and just manhandle her across the scene. It's great. I loved it. I, I was adoring that. So it's it's just cool to watch, but it, it's yeah. it's also cool because it validates like uh, obviously everything's about me. It validates what I've been saying this whole time which is that if you are able to do force pushes and force movement or with and around another force user then you are on another level it's what you referenced earlier you are on another level than that person vader knows he's on another level from her because of what i just referenced about 10 minutes ago yep inquisitors are not rule two inquisitors are not sith they've not been trained up to the level of sith and she knows just because he trains her he knows how weak she is so he is able to like i mean this is like the bravado here I mean, have you ever, uh, just an honest question, like in, in Legends Media, anything, have you ever seen a Jedi decide, I've got my lightsaber on me, but I am just going to fight you, and you have your lightsaber and you're mad, you're trying to kill me, I'm just going to fight you with the force, that's it, I'm just, that's the, it, like just force the, pushes, force pulls, stopping your hand where I need to, pushing you away, just swatting a fly, have you ever seen this before? Never in a situation where one person was trying to kill another. Never yeah. that. I've seen some like master student, like Exar Kun fighting his master, whose name right now escapes me. He famously fought him with a walking stick just to try to prove a point. I've seen that kind of thing, but never in a circumstance of where two guys are trying to murder each other and the other one's like, well, I don't even need to right now. Other than a little bit, there's an example that this brought to mind. Um, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Remember when Vader and Luke are dueling each other underneath Cloud City? Yes. And... For an extensive portion of the fight, Vader just starts throwing shit at Luke. Vader does a play. little bit of that, but even even in that situation, and he, I think he doesn't quite know Luke's training. He knows Luke is extremely force powerful, and he does use his lightsaber. He does, like, because he uh, he's not fucking around with Luke. I think he knows Luke could kill but, him. But it's he has no team. no belief. And this is, by the way, that's that's Vader ten years stronger than the Vader we're seeing here. Yeah. So he's even stronger when he's fighting. That shows you how powerful Luke is just from Jump Street. But like. Reva has no prayer here. And, you know, I, I feel really, I feel a lot of sympathy for her because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a DC mayor situation, right? It's a bitch sit me up. Like, I think, I think she feels like Obi-Wan set, (laughs) set her up in this situation. I don't believe that Obi-Wan meant to, but she, yeah, she is out on a limb, completely alone. She doesn't have Obi-Wan there to help her because he got, he left on the fucking transport. Bitch set me up. And, she has no chance here. I just love, love, love how they did. Can't say it enough. I just but, think it's so cool. Uh, it, it almost reminds me of like a five-year-old fighting a grown adult kind of thing, just in terms of the le- love, the power imbalance that's occurring here. Where there is at no point in this fight that he is taking her seriously or even nope. pretending to take her seriously. He does not feel the need to, to even give her a fight. He doesn't he even draw here. his lightsaber. For he, he actually uses one of her lightsabers, right? He uses one of hers, but he doesn't draw. He doesn't draw his own. You don't merit that. I'm not going to give you that. Respect. Unbelievable, unbelievable disrespect. But I will. I'll give Rava this. 
she has to feel it when she takes the swing and she stopped before he even turns around that she's completely outmatched. But that doesn't stop her. She's a fighter. She keeps trying and she keeps trying, keeps trying till eventually uh, she does the inquisitory thing, inquisitor thing where she's got the certain the lightsabers that are flicking around. Vader just stops it on a dime. It's like, eh, just I'll stops take one it. Of those. Ends up taking both of her lightsabers and at the end of the fight, she's kneeled and he has a lightsaber in each hand. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the meme, the wrestling meme of Vince McMahon, like in the chair right before he gets a, like a stupid lap dance or some yeah, misogynistic yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. And he's getting more and more heated and excited and it's just over the top. That was kind of like me in this scene because I was just envisioning the Dooku head cut. I was like, is he uh, going to fucking Dooku her? He, he oh totally my God. Have. He totally should have. I mean, there's no reason that she really should have lived through this other than they have more things they want her to do. They got do. more things for her, yeah. Uh, and, and that's the reason, really. They're like, oh, we're going to leave you in the gutter. It's like, no, they've got more plot. Well, I, I do think... there for it when he was just going to cross-slice her and just... That was... I mean, I, I I was so amped. Like, oh my God. Like, that dude... Because that, that was a fucking oh. awesome scene when he beheads Dooku. That was so cool. But... Oh, yeah. Um, y- Going back to the to the scene, I do think that there is in can in universe an explanation that he does at least there. want to give the Grand Inquisitor a chance to talk to her. Yes, um, sure. Because she did try to kill him. Um, now this is yet another situation that I've been talking about. When the Inquisitor died, everybody's like, they don't fucking understand canon. They didn't even watch Rebels. They don't know what they're doing. It's like, hang the fuck tight. They're going yes. to explain it, and they did explain it. The Inquisitor comes back. It's like you talked about, it's like my brother talked to me about, which is, you know, a lightsaber in the gut in this world does, if if you are around resources, yes, immediate resources, <laughs> does not mean that you're going to die right away. You can be saved, and it looks like he was saved. And power of the dark side has a well-established effect to keep somebody going on sheer revenge and rage. And the, and the Grand Inquisitor is much more force-sensitive and stronger than the rest of the Inquisitors. I'm not sure he's at the level of a Sith, but he he's stronger, and he probably was able to use... And he references that, right? Because he does... What does he say to her? He says, um, revenge does wonders, uh, revenge does wonders don't you think? Your rage was your rage was useful. Now it is tiresome. We will leave you where we found you in the gutter, where you belong. K- kudos, sir. Kudos on the Grand Inquisitor accent. Well done. It's, <laughs> I just all I have to all I have to do is the Emperor. All I do is Palpatine because he he really does take from <laughs> you're Palpatine. Doing the Emperor with a list. Your rage yeah, was useful, young Skywalker. <laughs> um, so he takes her uh, Grand Inquisitor bars. Takes the rank right from her. Says goodbye, Grand Inquisitor. And off Vader and the Grand Inquisitor go. I do like that Vader, uh, I'm not going to say is loyal to Grand Inquisitor, but he, v- Grand Inquisitor is is an arm of Vader. He, yeah. he, is a, he is a mechanism for Vader. And I like that that connection is still there heading into Rebels because obviously we see it there. So, Two things. One, um, both kind of a question. One, what... Was this something they impromptu set up after she stabbed the Grand Inquisitor? Or do you think they had this in motion for longer and that was just kind of what then set it going? Longer. Longer is the implication. Because he says, did you, what did he say? What does he say to you? He says, do you uh, really think I, I wouldn't know youngling or something like yeah, that? Did you really believe I did not see it youngling? You are no further use. So That, th- that tells me he knew all along. Which is just monstrously delightfully evil that they've just been toying with her for years to just 
give her the opportunity to fail in her revenge. It's like, that's a Sith right there. It's like, oh, you've built your life around killing me? And now you've failed? Oh, this is Princess Bride levels of delightful. This is the first time in the timeline where I go, yes, he's being trained by Palpatine. Because that is a Palpatine move, if ever there was one. And Vader pulls it off. And I think it's, I honestly believe it's the, it's what, it's the training from Palpatine. Because that long game, Palpatine is the master of it. He does it better than anybody in the entire Star Wars canon ever. The long game. He did it, he did it as a Naboo senator. He did it after he was thrown down the elevator shaft. And he created the biggest fleet in the galaxy as a clone. He is, he plays the long game better than anybody. So I think that is, that is direct training from, from Palpatine in my view. Yeah. Um, seen that at every stage and as for leaving her in the gutter i think it's dumb but they give me the sentence they give me a character consciously doing it and then i can accept it I'm like they should have killed her right now yes they should have absolutely yeah. but we get the sentence of the grand inquisitor rubbing it in of the grand inquisitor harkening back to his old line and that's all i need to accept it or okay this is a consciously placed in character move and it's dumb. It- Shouldn't do it, but it's it has a character motivation for why. And it plays to the weakness that we have seen from the Sith over and over again in Darth Vader specifically of playing with your prey. He plays yeah. with his prey. And, and um, the need to make your prey feel powerless. The need to make them know that you're in power over them. It's like, okay, shouldn't be doing it. It's dumb. It's going to cause problems. But you've given me enough to accept it. I'm with you. With everyone, they cut back to the transport, with everyone getting away, Roken tells Obi-Wan that their hyperdrive is down and the Empire is behind them. That is not a good situation. Cut back to Reva. She grabs her Inquisitor saber and she then sees the transmitter. Obi-Wan dropped the transmitter. Bond. Uh, did, did he drop it or did he actually give it to um, the our, our comedian fake Jedi? Oh, well, Haja dropped it. Somebody dropped yeah, it. Yeah, somebody and dropped it and left it on the ground. that was fucking awful. Yeah, it might have, yes. yeah, you're right. I think he did give it to Haja. Uh, but Haja dropped it. Back to Obi-Wan, he says, something's wrong. It's interesting to me how locked in Obi-Wan is in with the Force now. He is now back to a point where he can, he, he is doing predictive modeling in his Force sensitivity. He can tell, uh-oh, with all the events that are in place right now, Luke is eventually going to be in danger and I can There's sense There's a disturbance. It. He is very, very locked back in. And, and to, to the point that, like, if, if he ends up in a 1v1 with Vader and he bests him, I'm going to buy it. I, I know you want more episodes. I got it. But I'm going to buy it because they, they look at all of the indications, the force push from her, the, the, the scene, the danger to Luke 10 steps ahead of time. I mean, he's, he's back plugged in. Um, and we see uh, Reva um, watch the hologram from Bail Organa. She hears Tatooine. We get a cut to Luke sleeping in his bed. And end of episode, sir. I, I, in terms of initial predictions for the next episode, this, I think there's one they've set up right here. Um, this is somewhat similar to, you know, Empire Strikes Back, where the transports are taking out and trying to get through the blockade. They had a shield generator to prevent orbital bombardment. They had two X-Wings in terms of immediate escort. And they had an ion cannon taking out star destroyers. How in the hell are our heroes going to survive this? What 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 by what means are they going to get away in terms of the next episode? I got nothing. I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, They're fucked. They're probably fucked. Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure there will be an end canon explanation. I cannot wait to see it. I'm excited. I thought the episode was very good. I enjoyed it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just thought it was very, very good, very fun. I thought we got more really fun Vader scenes. I am just in on this Vader character what? that they're making now. It is so much fun to watch on screen. Well, given that half of my quotes are related to people talking to Vader, Vader and Anakin, should we start going into best best line of the episode? Best line of the episode. Let's do it. I and I am alone. Emperor, I am the Emperor Palpatine of best line of the episode. Spencer, give me some nominees. Uh, I mean, first one here. You grow too aggressive, Anakin. Be mindful. A Jedi's goal was to defend life, not take it. Mercy doesn't... Uh, I'm responding. Mercy doesn't defeat an enemy master, which is why you're going to lose. Like, two philosophies summarized perfectly and beautifully on screen. Wonderfully done. Next from Tyler. You're right, Ben. Some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. Good line. Summarizing very much where she's coming from in this and where she's trying to get him to, too. Uh, you referenced this one already. Your need for victory, Anakin, it blinds you. It's delightfully done, because, again, it's a moment in the past that two characters share directly connecting into the present. Well done filmmaking there. Um, this one from uh, Reva. Do you, Obi-Wan, do you really want Anakin dead? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, this one you referenced the kind of in Yoda joke you're a great warrior Anakin but you'll need to prove yourself as your undoing until you overcome it a Padawan you sh you will still be uh, next from um, Obi-Wan your need for victory yeah you said it. you said that one yeah. um, how about this one um, where's my next one um, yeah for Vader to Riva do you really think I would not see it youngling you are of no further use to me oh, oh. Oof, oh. Duh. oh, one before then that I like too. He was wise to use you against me. Good mm. line from Vader. Yep. It's like, I, I love these lines of just like, he is shattering her confidence without even moving. He's just saying the words that are just like, oh, I'm fucked. Yep. All right. I think that's all I got. I have two more real quick. Um, yep. Let's see here. Uh, from the actual Grand Inquisitor. Hello, third sister. Revenge does wonders for the will to live, doesn't it? Reminds, re reminds me of Life Mass Effect. Revenge is the greatest anesthetic. Um, and one last one from Reva. Well, we thought he was there to help us. I tried to help them, but I couldn't. I was too weak. When he left, I played dead and hid with the bodies. Felt them go cold. They were the only family I knew, and he slaughtered them. It's like, again, it just shows how, much, how far they've gone with this character and how much I've gone with them compared to where they started of where... That was well done. I was like, I was actually feeling something for this character, whereas previously I was just rolling my eyes at her. Yeah, they have come a long way with the Reva character. Um, it is, I mean, I, I think you really made a great point earlier. I'd like to give you a lot of credit for it. It's just how we are used to watching things. Um, we're so used to being able to binge it, to get the whole story, to get the whole picture right away. The fact they're making us go week by week, we're showing our impatience. And we're, we're just like, instead of saying... Man, that's something like I don't understand now. I can't wait to see what the answer is. We just go, I don't understand it now. Fuck it. I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm out on this yeah. whole thing. And we did that with Reva collectively. And like, this character is actually pretty fucking good. Well, it shows both our impatience and our lack of trust. And I think that's it's informing both of it of where it's a, it's a certain element of where I want everything now and I don't, but I also, I've been burned by you before and I don't trust you to land this. And so yeah, for and every, every possible weakness to seize upon it where to inform what I already believe is going to happen. 
Yeah, and if I was like the people running the show, I'd be a little annoyed by that lack of trust. I'd be like, wait a second, I didn't write Last Jedi. I didn't, you know, like, they, like <laughs> we are doing the, a new show for the first time. They're all the enough. same. It's yeah, I know. It's kind of Kennedy all the way down. It's all like Lucasfilm. It's all under Kennedy, so it's all the same. Um, all right, best line of the episode. It was always going to be best line of the episode. Should be no shock here. This is the complete frame through which the entire episode should be viewed, in my opinion, from Obi-Wan to Anakin. You are a great warrior, Anakin, but you need to prove yourself as your undoing. Well done. Appreciate it. Yeah, it is the absolute. It, it has to be the line of the episode. It's the it's the whole the whole thrust of the episode. It's how the whole thing is written. Is Anakin's impulse to need to prove himself, the need to attack, to fight, to win right now, and for you to say that I won. Mm-hmm. That is the impulse in him, and that is what Obi Wan's able to use against him time and time again. And we'll see if he's able to do it in the next episode. That's what we call in the business a tease. And it's an impulse we notably do not see from him at all as much in the. Uh the three classic movies and so it's something that he we may see effectively him learn from over the course of this series yeah yeah could be uh, a little character growth for vader how about that yeah, character growth know? for the for the machine um okay mo- nostalgic moment of the episode you always crush this segment every week what do you got this like this, this I, week i got four. I, I said nostalgic moment i said decided to narrow it down to four two bits of technology and two bits of storytelling uh bits of technology I love thermal detonators. They have a near yes. place in my heart. And seeing them bust them out in moments like this. We've seen them in, in the new Star Wars TV a bit. We saw them with IG-11. Was that one that blew himself up in Mandalorian? Yeah, and can we talk about that they had... Didn't they have... Um, they'd seen, these aren't thermal detonators, but they, they, another nostalgic moment that's very, very similar to this. Talking about the weaponry. Maybe maybe you're going to talk about this. Sorry if I'm, I'm stepping gonna, on I'm you. Gonna, gonna, Is it the cannon from the Stormtroopers? Uh, not the cannon. It's a, the grenade it's a cannon. cannon. They had grenadier stormtroop or gr- gr- grenadier stormtroopers and um, uh, I think, what did I call it? Grenadier, like the the syrup. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the specific stormtroopers that man this cannon and they, yes. they have the cannon. That that dump. we've seen that in a lot of Star Wars media. We've seen it. We've heard it referenced in books. We've seen it in other movies, uh, and we've certainly seen it in video games. Well, I, I think it's literally the same prop that they're using there, too, in terms of that two-barrel cannon that we saw Mando, uh, Mando in season one of Mando when he was uh, rescuing Baby Yoda, the one that was on that little speeder that he did the little turn with and blew up. I think it's literally the same prop they've oh. kind of scaled up. Cool. Very cool. Um, but one of the little bit of weaponry I loved, did you see the weapon that, uh, I'm blanking on his name, The uh, our main guy that runs this, uh, this post? Roken. Did you see the weapon that Roken was using during the battle? No. The man's got a fucking Wookiee bowcaster in terms of what he's using. He's oh, using... that's so cool. I wish I'd seen that. Oh, that is awesome. It's like, I mean, again, Star Wars lore has been fast and loose in the subject of whether a normal human can actually use a bowcaster or not. There's yeah, because in Legends, that would blow you back. It, in Legends, like, it, you need a Wookiee frame to use it, but they, they've totally worked it in that there's versions that yeah, are because it, of regular Yeah, because, games. like, Han Solo uses it in the sequel movies. Yeah, it's so they've... Again, it's not something that's been very consistent, so whatever, but it, it tickled me that the guy's using a straight-up Wookiee bowcaster during the course of this fight. It's like, that was nice. Well, it's consistent but, in the new canon. It's not consistent with Legends. Yeah, it, I, I will give them credit. Even in Legends, in the video games, and you can still totally use them, which I, I accepted at the time was just bending reality, but mm, they've run mm, with that. So okay, sure. gotcha. Um, Vader on the warpath, bringing down a transport with the Force and the entire duel <gasps> with her is just yes. straight-up force nostalgia of just seeing the force done right in terms of what it's capable of and what a true master of it can do to someone who is a mere learner question for you yeah there are those in the fandom who say that this is the what we just saw there from vader is how 
Palpatine always should have fought. We never should have, should have seen a lightsaber from Palpatine. He's so strong I, in the Force. Him and Yoda should always have fought this way. I actually would have really preferred that. And I even commented on the time when I saw Revenge of the Sith and a lot of the fights that happened there. Or even Yoda against Doku, where Yoda doesn't need to be a Saber Master. He is the golden god of the Force. He is a, the ultimate Jedi Counselor. You can show him as powerful without needing to him to be a sword god. But the prequels heavily focused on the idea that the sword is the Jedi, and a, Je a good Jedi has to be good with the sword, and they went heavily into that. I would have preferred if you focused on the fact that, no, these guys are the web spinners. These guys are the masters of the Force and the various ways it can connect to people and everything else. Show them in that form of power. A, a, you know, a little finger in a Varus can be powerful without ever having to pull a gun. You can show people powerful in different kind of ways. I think that's an abundantly fair position. I, I I appreciated that Yoda and Palpatine fought with sabers. It showed that they kind of came up the same way as everybody else. But um, I, I see the point. That's why I brought it up. I, I think it's a yeah, very, no. very fair point. I, I get, and, I get that I, perspective. For I sure. also have to give credit. It was still an impressive damn fight scene to see the two of them throwing down in the Senate House. Got to give them credit I, for that. I, I mean, it just uh, <laughs> ah, like I, yes. I was absolutely bananas uh, watching them fight on but, the Senate floor. The winner for nostalgia this episode has okay. to be the flashback scenes. Has to be the flashback scenes. The scenes on Coruscant with the same lighting, with the characters dressed the same. De-aged only slightly. I, I almost appreciate they didn't push it even that far because the two actors still look great. And playing out in the same vibes, representing their characteristics, and linking that beautifully into the actual plot in the present. Not only was it nostalgic bliss... But it was well done working that in in a way that doesn't feel superimposed, doesn't feel like it's pulling us out of the moment, doesn't feel like it's stapled on, and doesn't feel inconsistent either. It really does feel like this is a moment from the prior movies and the prior lore that we have lifted and we have placed and it feels perfectly organic. That is nostalgia done right and they deserve credit for it. Got nothing left to say. Absolutely right. Um... I said I had nothing else to say, and I'm going to say something. But, uh, say something now. You, you, no, you, I mean, you said it perfectly. I completely co-signed 100% what you said. I, w I would also say that like, I feel like what they've kind of backed into here, and it's probably by mistake, is basically a look for the Old Republic. Hmm. Like, the Old Republic itself has a look that is like it, that sort of like over-superimposed like, like digital thing. That artificial it looks look. That's tinted. But, but now we've got to a point where like that is nostalgic for the old republic they've given the yeah. old republic a look i think it, i don't think it was purposeful but they have and so when they go back to it like you say we know exactly where they are we know exactly what time period and it, it, you know it, it brings back those vibes of those movies right away well i agree that it's probably 100 percent accidental because those films were filmed during the just the worst period of the lens bloom green screen yeah. yeah green screen lens bloom it's like that's just the way that that was going to look as a result but it accidentally works out great because it shows the older public area as being bright and well lit and like this clean it clean white like an, what like a white from a, like from a prior age that no longer exists and then you cut back to the modern of where it's very much filmed in the Rogue One kind of way of where it's dirty it's dark it's confusing it's claustrophobic and it just adds to that just that was an age that has been lost and here is where we are now. I agree. Completely probably accidental. Just two different kinds of filmmaking of different eras, but it serves them perfectly of just setting up how much that is a bygone lost age that we look back on nostalgically compared to the present dark world we're in. 
completely agree. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's put our gladiatorial robes on to send down into the gladiatorial pit with our thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways review of the episode. Does it live up to? Is it worse than or is it bad on par with what we saw from the prequels? Now, as I mentioned in the lead end of the episode, we are on different grading curves here. For you, a thumbs up would not not be a very hard, high bar to get with your, your thoughts of the prequel. What do you think, Spencer? Did this live up to the quality of the prequels? And, 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 and that's part of the reason I've been trying to reinterpret the question as to me, is just, is it in keeping with the themes, the values, and the presentation of the prequels, rather than necessarily whether it's better or worse? Because, you know, that's a different question for the two of us. And I think it is, largely. I think prequels, whatever else, actually I thought did laser combat better than this show, but I'm going to eventually stop harping on that. But I think most of it, yeah, I thought it was pretty well in keeping with the prequels. In, in large part, as shown by how beautifully that moment from the prequels brought in felt well, felt authentic in this. I didn't think it felt like awkward that they had a straight up moment from the prequels inserted in the middle of this. And I think that's telling that this very much is in keeping of the legacy that those have set. And so, yeah, I will say that it is within the margins of the prequels in that regard. I'll say there were only a few moments of the prequels for me that were as edge of your seat as this episode was. And the, those those were in Revenge of the Sith. Those were which, the, yeah, those are the only moments. Three, which is your third movie in terms of the, all of the Star Wars movies, right? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's number two. Um, Empire Strikes Back, uh, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One. Oh, no, 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 no. Nope, told you wrong. Um, uh, Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right, third. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the edge of your seat can't wait to see what's happening. Oh my God, they've got me hooked thing. I only got maybe um, on Mustafar when Yoda and the Emperor were battling, probably Mace Windu, Anakin, and probably the, the, the ultimate heel turn from the Emperor on the Senate Damn floor. Man, this was catnip for you. It was really high up. Uh, so I, I definitely think it was in quality with the keeping of the, of the prequels. I think they've done it. I, in my opinion, I, I you know, if, there was no internet, and I didn't know what the fucking world was thinking. I would think that everybody was loving this thing. I thought I think it's really good, but you know I recognize that that's not everybody's opinion. But for me, it's been really exciting. A lot of nostalgic moments. I, I love how they're telling the story. I love the reveals. I love the how some things don't seem to make sense, and they answer the question later. I just I'm really digging it. Having a good time. You, as said, you give me one other fight of where, you know, Stormtrooper versus versus Finn and the Stormtrooper holding up, I'll be back into this. I'll be committed again. But you gotta give me something that shows Stormtroopers being competent for a half minute. I would be so much more positive on it. Well, you got an hour and a half to try to get that in the next episode, and I'm sure we will see more Imperial transports, more Imperial troops, and more firefights, because uh, it's all going down on Tatooine, my friend. It's all going down. Okay, predictions. Predictions, sir. Tell me. Tell me what you expect. We've guessed a lot of where this series is going. We've guessed a lot of the key plot points. I don't think we necessarily as honed in perfectly on, Ra on Rava seeking revenge, but we were dancing around the margins of it. What do we think is going to play out in episode six with how much, if they are going to give us an hour and a half, what won't, what will they go into? Remember in Clone Wars, I don't know if you saw it, when uh, Obi-Wan finally does kill Darth Maul? Yes. On Tatooine? It's a night mm -hmm. scene. It's beautifully shot, shot, beautifully, not shot, but beautifully constructed and done. Um, but the whole time he didn't really want to kill Maul. Like he was not, he didn't want to. And when he finally killed him, he held him in his arms and he was like, like, I'm sorry that like this had to happen this way. I think that's, we're going to have a similar scene with Reva. I still ultimately believe Obi-Wan will kill Reva. Um, 
and I in this series, in this episode. And I think it will be a similar type thing where he'll kill her and he'll he'll basically like hold her in his arms and be like, I'm, I'm sorry this happened to you. I'm sorry you had this life. Um, but ultimately, she's going after Luke and he cannot allow that. Uh, that, is, that is a full stop for Obi-Wan Kenobi. He will not allow her to go after Luke and he is more powerful than her. So then feel good for Reva. We've, we've been debating this from the very first episode about who would be the final fight, who would be the final boss of the show. I'm with you. I think they're setting up that Reva is the final boss. Oh, no, no, no. I don't I don't think so. I think that happens halfway through the episode because I my, my prediction is that that the Empire and the the Inquisitors will follow. I think I think Obi, I think Darth Vader will come to Tatooine. He will follow Reva and I think, effectively. And yeah, effectively he'll follow her and the resources she marshals, et cetera, et cetera. Obi-Wan will kill Reva, and then we will have a Obi-Wan-Darth Vader battle, and I think Obi-Wan's going to fake his death. That's the only way any of this makes sense. That's the only way I'm able to piece this together, because if he fakes his death, then Vader doesn't have a reason to go back to Tatooine. Ipso facto doesn't find Owen, Lars, Luke. He doesn't keep chasing Obi-Wan throughout the galaxy, and Obi-Wan is able to actually live in Tatooine and do his thing. I think we have to build that into this story. That's my I prediction. Think, you? It, it's, it's definitely possible. Will that provide you a satisfying explanation then of when last we met, I was the student, now I am the master? Well, that's a, that's a it depends on how they shoot it. it. Depends on how they shoot it, right? Because if, like, it depends on, like, I mean, you could, you could have a situation where, like, Obi-Wan defeats Vader. Like, he beats him. and But but he still is able to fake his death either on a transport or, like, some, something else to make Vader think he died. So... Uh, there's ways to do it, but I, I, I think that by the time this next episode is over, Vader has to think Obi-Wan's dead, right? Otherwise, the next 10 years don't make any sense. Well, Vader has to think Obi-Wan's dead because Tarkin straight up told Vader he must be dead by now. In terms, That, that was a line, was that they all assumed Obi-Wan was dead. There is no way they get out of this episode without them thinking Obi-Wan is dead. Or at least must be dead. Or, out, or some way outside their for reason they wouldn't be searching for him. Otherwise, why would they ever stop? Why would Completely they ever agree. just assume that he's dead and gone? Unless they give they get something here. Because Anakin Darth Vader very much knows he's alive now. He doesn't think he's like on the on death's door, like natural causes, right? Like he knows he's kicking and screaming. So like right. he, they gotta have a, a fake death here. Um do you think Reva makes it out of this episode alive? I think they I think they want <laughs> i think disney wants her to i think disney thinks that they've got a show with her i think disney thinks they've got additional media with her now you could uh, still do a reva prequel series i mean you could you, you, you could kill could, her now and still do a show you could do reva for 10 for as 10 years as a young sith inquisitor coming up that that, that that's something that, that they could do ah uh, the only only ways her plot resolves is tragic death or straight heel face turn and i don't think we're going to do full heel face turn She's too twisted up. She's just twisted metal. She doesn't, she doesn't, she's not, no clean edges on her. It's it's always going to be dirty. The Jedi believe that no one's beyond redemption, that no one deserves death for their crimes, that anyone can be redeemed and saved. It's a key aspect of the Jedi code. This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. I'm I'm glad you brought this up. Nobody, everyone can be redeemed. The ultimate example of this is Darth Vader and Arcanon. The ultimate example. But a question for you, but a question. If Vader didn't die, and he just like went back with Luke. Don't you think he'd have had some like trouble? I'm, what I'm saying is, yes, he did kill the Emperor, and yet, or he tried, and yes, he did tell Luke, like, I'm back with you basically. And he did go to little Jedi heaven and he's doing all the, you know, hologram Jedi things. 
I'm just saying that, like, don't you think it would, don't, I don't think it's like a, a shut off, shut on thing. I no, feel like no, he no, would have no. probably, if he'd have lived, he probably would have had moments where he like force pushed like a mechanic who gave him a bill yeah. that's a little bit too high or like he accidentally killed like a rebel soldier for like, you know, <laughs> being a jack. Like, I think yes. he would have had trouble getting rid of all that Sith. There would have been an integration process back there in civilized society. Yes. yes. There would have, there would have been. And also, what's the key, what's the key thing? The, no, everyone can be redeemed. No one deserves to die for their crimes. It's not the same thing as there are no repercussions for the shit you did. And Those it's also bullshit. Categories. And it's also bullshit, right? Because Palpatine is beyond redemption. He cannot be redeemed. There is one person in our story that is beyond is beyond redemption, cannot be saved, and his name is, is fucking Senator Emperor Palpatine. And I, and I think the Jedi would respect the fact that, you know, he still necessarily needs to be fought. He needs to be defeated. And if there's only so much you can do, I still think that a, the, the true attendance of the Jedi Code would at least hold that. There's the possibility that even someone that dark and twisted has hope. I think I think that the Jedi Code always holds out that hope, even if you want to focus on the most extreme example possible in the form of Emperor Palpatine. Yoda didn't think so, because Yoda just went to him and said, motherfucker, it's all. Like, he didn't say, hey, look, hey, can we talk? <laughs> There's the talking. It, even Yoda's got a line. Even Yoda's got a yeah, line. Yeah, he was. He'd had, he'd had it with that motherfucker at that point. Yeah, because at best he knew he killed Mace Windu, which we'll talk about at a later date if Mace Windu's really dead. But uh, yeah, no, this want is him coming back. No, no hands, Windu. Come on. No hands, <laughs> Windu. Hands. He's got he's got glowing purple force hands that are actually controlling his for, controlling his lightsaber. It's be great. Uh, Sam Jackson's trying to get him to do it. I think I think Lucasfilm is on. I think yeah, I think Lucasfilm is with you. They, they they like that moment of of him falling out and Anakin actually doing it. That they like they want that to be the end for him. Yeah. But we're we're all over the place here. But the, ultimately, I think you're you're talking about this concept of redemption and and can Reva be redeemed redeemed in this last episode? She's partially redeemed here, right? She did take a swing at Vader. Um. I just think, like, I made the metaphor before, she's twisted metal. I just don't, like, I I think even, like, what we're seeing with her, how, like, yeah, she is kind of good, but, like, her all this, like, trauma and weirdness and being trained in the dark side of the fourth force result in somebody who's, like, even if she tries to do good is going to be, like, kind of wonky in it in the way that I think Anakin would have if Anakin had lived at the end of Return of the Jedi. So um, I'm with you. I don't think we're getting a full face turn from Reva. Uh, and I think they've almost in some ways written themselves into a corner of where pretty much all the main characters in the series have an established role in the canon. We know what occurs of them. We know though we know who's going to make it through and we kind of can imply who isn't based on the fact they don't reappear. Reva doesn't appear again. Best as we can tell us, they want to really make her own side story entirely and explore that. So I think in some ways they're kind of stuck with it. And that's how they do their decision making, by the way. But because uh, you know, there's a very famous story now of the people who wrote Rogue One going to Disney and saying, "Hey, just so you know, we kill everybody. Like, I just want yeah, I know you're like you're Disney. I just want you to know this." And Disney goes, "Well, they're not in the other movies, are they?" And they go, "No." And they go, "Well, okay." Like, and Disney actually yeah. signed off on a movie that came out under Disney where every fucking body dies like that's not common for them right and but they did it because they're holding true to that four five six canon and so it's probably the decision making they'll have here for reva ultimately i think reva's got to be like a minus three thousand to die she's got to be a heavy heavy favorite to die and, and i hope they make it hurt 
I mean, they've given us... I hope it's not just a, you know, triumphant victory kind of thing. I hope they go into the tragedy and the pain of that character. Because they've set it up well. They've given us enough to actually care about the villain dying from the twisted pain she's coming through and the just hurting for her and how misguided she is about the actions that she does. They can play that out great, and I hope they emphasize that. Completely agree. Okay, anything else? Any parting thoughts here for the episode before we wrap up and prepare? For the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi next week. Scale of 10, how excited are you going into the finale after this episode? Nine. Solid nine? Nine. I'm very high. I think we're getting Yoda. And I think we're going to get a dead Reva. And I think we're going to get another Obi-Wan-Vader fight. So, I mean, and I'm the type, if I get like one of those, I'm good. But like, um, yeah, I think we're going to get a lot. And, you know, the fact that they're, they're making it supersized, they have time. For him to go to Dagobah to talk about how can I commune with Qui-Gon. They've got time for a fake death. they got time for multiple battles. So it's it's really exciting. I think it's... I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, it, you? If the, if, I don't believe it's actually going to be an hour and a half. I've been sp- I've been very jaded from the episode. <laughs> so pissed about Disney the runtime with the Disney Plus Aren't app. you? Aren't no. you? Because I, I expect it now. No, I know. I mean, you know what? I turn it on and it says that 45. That doesn't make it right. okay. I, I, the expectations game. I, I know what they do now. Plus, I think I watch more Disney Plus than you do, so I know that how their yeah, app works. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but with they honestly have an hour and a half. I don't even know what they can do with this. They've got movie length time periods to do whatever they want. We could get straight up, you know, Boba Fett riding a dinosaur by the time this episode is over, and they've got more time to even go after that. I don't know. We're gonna find out. Yeah, but I will say that like some of the plot hole cleaning that they've done, or it's not really cleaning because they've planned it all along, but in our, our dumb minds, it's cleaning, right? Of the Grand Inquisitor, of Reva knowing Anakin uh, was Darth Vader, it gives me faith in how they could potentially tie up a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in the next episode. So I've got more faith in the writing probably now than I ever have in this series. So shout out to it. Uh, good job, Disney. I'm excited. Let's 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 go, let's do it. Let's, Spencer, let's watch next week. Damn straight, man. All right, man, we'll be back with you probably one week from today. We are releasing this on Saturday after the release of Episode 5. We'll try to be with you Saturday after the release of Episode 6 to talk about the end of uh, Obi-Wan. So we'll, we'll do an episode review like we normally do, but we'll also try to talk about the series as a whole. Um, and then we'll talk about what's next for Star Wars and the Star Wars universe and specifically for this podcast because there's some other stuff coming up. I mean, we've got, we've got a big slate of Star Wars material on the horizon, so we'll talk about what we're excited about, what we plan to cover, all of that stuff and we'll be with you next week on Random Talk Star Wars. Thanks everybody for listening. See you!